show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pops, blue ribbon! You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. Money, 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 money! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Son of a bitch. Stole mine. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> Welcome back. You jumping all over the intro, dude? Saw it. Saw you (laughs) click the button. Didn't you? Don't even have the headphones on. I knew it was happening. Welcome back to what? W T A J. (laughs) Watch that, Alex the Bicep Jones. Let him watch. Let him watch. Yeah, I got it over there. Oh, fancy. Little feedback. Feedback. Yes, it is WTM Watch This Movie. I am your host, Eric Mulder. Eric, he is a bad, bad man. And we we already talked to Jones, so we don't need to talk to him anymore. Yo. So, today we got a lot of shit to cover. We should probably just get down right to it. Although, before we do, I have to say I saw John Wick 2. Or, I'm sorry, excuse me, Chapter 2. Oh. Last, well, last week, yeah. Yeah, keep it a fish. Saw it with the parents. <laughs> mom was but your loving mom, that. I was going to say, <laughs> your, your dad was probably like fucking sweet. Yeah. But your mom was probably like, I'm going to step out and refill the popcorn. Well, I had, uh, I think I borrowed him, John Wick, um, like a year or two ago or something like that. And, uh. Like, I left it, like, when I went back home or something like that. You know, Dad told me, you know, he, he liked it a lot. You know, Mom is, she, she's gotten a little older. She's more, uh, she doesn't like the violence as much, I guess. What does your, so we've talked about what your dad likes. Fart jokes? Jason Statham. Jason Statham. <laughs> and John Wick, it yeah. appears. Uh, well, a lot of things, but. Right. Mel but, Brooks, yeah, he's know. a big Mel Brooks guy. Oh, yeah, guy. yeah, Mel Brooks, that was the other one. Uh, what is your mom? What kind of movies does your mom like? Uh, she likes a lot of different, you know, dramas, thrillers, romance, stuff like that. Yeah, action. She likes the Bond movies and things like that, has a good time. and Kind of the blockbuster flicks? Uh, Yeah, but she wouldn't, like, I don't, she's not like a, wouldn't be a fan of, like, X-Men or... Sure. Um, Jurassic World or Kong, like the preview for Kong Skull Island came on before <laughs> chapter two. Yeah. And she looks over at me and goes, are you into that kind of stuff? And I just look at her and go, no. <laughs> she goes, whew. Not at all. She's wondering where did I go wrong? <laughs> My son's into King or Kong Skull Island. No, I Island. said, no, I'm not into it. No, right. That's, she was just worried. She just oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I see the trailer. And I'm like, no, no I'm, I'm not good. into that, mom. But have you seen Neon Demon? <laughs> yeah, I would not, uh, would not suggest that for her. She also has a lot of trouble remembering like what movies, yeah, she's seen. No, yeah. like, oh, you've seen this, and like, she's like, oh, really? Have I? And, like, I'll start. She, she'll start recalling stuff when you talk about the movie and whatnot. But, anyways, so we're in <laughs> chapter two. Um. Yeah, mom actually still liked it. You know, it's plenty of it's plenty of violence. You know, just as much as the first, if not a little more. Sure. So the body count's higher. 
is John Wick is probably my favorite action movie the past few years or so. Um, at least the past few years, if not a little longer. Uh, the second one, I'd say I still like the first one more. Uh, I mean, for one, it's the original, so it's kind of hard to beat that. Right. But I do really love how they expanded the whole universe in the second one. Where, I mean, in the part of the reason I like the first one so much is because that whole world that they create with there's there's a cleaning service that come and clean up your you know your dead people right and there's a hotel where all the assassins hang out yep. there's no business can be done in the hotel in the continental mm-hmm. there's like a whole underworld of like shit going on that you don't really know about obviously you know it's it's fiction but it's it's pretty cool and pretty fun it's kind of it's kind of like a comic book movie without a comic book Hmm. in like the mythology that they creates it's oh. not just an action like they're they put like a whole story behind the story almost. right i was pretty pumped when i saw the rotten tomatoes score so high certified mm-hmm. fresh and then your kind of review of it because i i loved the first one but john wick was a movie where i went it's really good if they make a sequel, it's probably going to be shit. Yeah, it's I probably going to be. A, I was worrying. Probably going to be kind of tacky and over the top action, which it, it was in the first one. Don't get me wrong, but it's like you can only do that so many times. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like they were able to at least make it fresh again. I mean, to the point where fucking not just fans like it. I mean, critics clearly like it too, which is cool. Yeah, uh, I guess I should probably say that. Yeah, it's uh, directed by I think Chad Stahelski. He's the, I think, the stunt coordinator on the first John Wick. Is it not oh, the so same director? It? Uh, yeah, it's ah. a new, it's a new director. So it's another. I mean, I was a little worried. Like, yeah, this could be the typical sequel where, you know, it comes out and it's like, you know, forty nine percent around tomatoes and it's just a bunch of action and, you know, nothing much else to offer. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Um, well, I guess I should say that. Yeah, it stars Keanu Reeves, of course. Um, a lot of the people from the first one are back in it. You know, John Leguizano, uh, Ian McShane, um, Peter Stormare plays the brother of the mob boss in the first one. Oh yeah, yep. So that kind of fits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ruby Rose is in it. Common is in it. He's another assassin who's he's I, really good in there. He's pretty badass. I think Common was in. Oh, God, what was that? There's a shitty movie. I keep wanting to say Lucky Number Slevin, but it wasn't that. Uh, oh, Smoke and Aces? Smoke and Aces. <laughs> Common was in. There's a shitty movie. <laughs> I own Smoke and Aces. That's okay. It's so, do, so do I. And I remember watching it at the time, and I was like, action's kind of cool, but yeah, it's meh. Like, yeah. I, I, I haven't rewatched it in a long time, so I'm, it might be all right still. I think he was in that, and he was also in uh, Suicide Squad. Common's pretty good in those kind of... I assume he plays a hitman, right? Yeah, he's another yep. assassin. Yeah, he's a pretty solid actor for those type of roles. But yeah, the story takes place five days after the first one. It starts with John Wick going to get his car that was stolen in the first movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> his dog's not going to let it go. His dog's all grown up. Well, right? no. <laughs> From the still I saw. Well, remember at the end of the first one, he gets the new dog. Right, that's what I'm saying. He goes to the animal shelter. Yeah, and it was a puppy. Uh, no, it was, was a, it? it was a pit bull. It, it was bigger than the puppy he had. I mean, it was a different dog. It's a pit bull versus a, 
Daisy was like a fuck. I forget the breed of dog from the first one. But. Okay. But yeah, it was a bigger dog altogether, and um, I don't know. It's a pit bull that he rescued from the first one. I don't. Do you have to do background check? Right? <laughs> well, that's where he so broke I want into to rescue the place. This, there you go. We're gonna do a home visit, two or three days. <laughs> Not the continental either. You're home. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's because he broke into that place to stitch himself up, and then he just saw the dogs and like, oh, I'll take one. Fucking soul dog. And he left. Yep. But, uh, yeah, and from there, it kind of, obviously, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but um, he has a, you know, obviously, he has another job he has to do. He has an obligation, if you will, you find out. And that leads to another hit being put out on him. You know, the first movie, the mob guy put a $2 million hit on him, you know, doubled it if you'd break the Continental's rules. So this one starts out 7 mil, like, you know, to kill him. And uh, everyone's after him, mm-hmm. like literally fucking everyone, because he goes over to Rome to do this job. So you get the international aspect. There's a continental Rome, and there's a lot of other stuff you find out about the expanded mythology of John Wick. Hmm. I relate it to like uh, like when you watch Always Sunny. Yep. Um, Frank and Charlie's relationship, the roommates, comrades. I think some of the funniest stuff with those two is the stuff you never see. It's the stuff that they talk about like night crawlers <laughs> and them like going down into the sewers for no reason and just feeling around with their toes. And yeah. Like, a lot of cool shit in the sewer and stuff like that. you like, you never see like the craziest shit that they do, mm-hmm. but it's fucking hilarious just to think about using a steak knife to clean out his feet. I think yeah, his toe knife. Well, you see that his toe knife. Oh no. Yeah. You do see the toe you knife. See, you see the toe oh, that's knife. That's for toe knife. Like- <laughs> But certain things, I mean, in this one it does show stuff, but it's almost like it's, you know, it's the story behind the story. Yeah. It's the shirt before the shirt. Or shirt I should say the it's shirt. the shirt after the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's t-shirt time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, John Wick, pretty effing baller. And uh, I don't know, you want to spill the beans? We might have a rating system coming up. Might be coming soon. Because we can't just... Like you brought up a good point, you know we can't just be saying this movie's baller, or it's solid, or I'm tired of I googling. Or I'm tired of googling synonyms for baller, solid, <laughs> sweet, because <laughs> I realize my vocabulary doesn't extend outside of those three things when I'm into a movie. <laughs> Usually, about ninety percent of them are solid. So don't worry, we'll come out with a rating system here. We're not sure which way we're going to go with it yet, but yeah. we can stay tuned on that, and yeah. it'll be thinking about maybe putting it on the website putting movies and ratings together whatnot um i guess other news about the website i'm still working discover movies page Uh, i have not done as half as much as i wanted to do already i've been uh, really busy at the theater we've been showing the oscar shorts um live action and animated the past two weeks are you guys showing the oscar pants too (laughs) We are not showing the Oscar pants. You see what I mean, all right, with shorts? <laughs> yeah. How about Oscar shirts? Shirts next year. No, that's top layer clothing. <laughs> you can't say it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The first one doesn't. Blow the waist clothing only. <laughs> Regardless, erroneous and all counts. Um, Who's Oscar and where's his shorts? 
Yeah, plus my mini took a shit twice, so I had to get that fixed twice <laughs> for the past few weeks. Mueller's got Put a lot of money, money into that. What many, it, it was running great the first year and a half, and then uh, that chill that we got where it was like minus 30 with like a minus 60 wind chill. Told you, mini coops are meant for it. Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Surely are. It made the, the first winter. I mean, it's a, I got it used in the first winter here. It was still yeah. started up every morning. They got a Cooper dealership over in St. Louis Park there. Yeah. I actually take it to uh, the dealer I got it from, their Luxury Auto, which is right by there. Oh, yeah. So it's literally a block away from that mini place, so I drive by it every time I go to get serviced. I was in there to go look at minis, but... Do you drift when you go around the curve? <laughs> <laughs> every time you're like, this is why I bought the car. Just pull the handbrake. <laughs> They're like, sir, your car keeps going to shit because you keep fucking drifting. <laughs> Movies aren't real. People riding with me like, I notice you don't, you're going really fast. Are you going to put your foot on the brake? No, I use I use the lever here. That's how I brake. <laughs> There's no easing in the turns. <laughs> Everything's a drift. <laughs> Power through it. Uh, all right. So, yes, Discovery Movie's still happening. I mean, there's probably like seven or eight entries in there right now, something like that. Yep. So more to come. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. We're going to do one of our top ten films of 2016, and then we'll just give a little preview of the Oscars, what we think will win, what should win, whatnot. So I am actually – do you want to start or do you just want me to start? Because usually – You've been starting more recently, and then I get the last word. So maybe you want the last word? I'll take the last word. Although, we're going to have a shit ton of crossover on this list. Yeah. So there's a good chance that our number ones will be talked about before we get to number one. Yeah. At least yours. I'm guessing I'll ruin yours. I don't know what it is, but I'm guessing it's on my top ten. It's my number one's not your number one. I know that. So... Let's just let's just get into it. Let's get weird. <laughs> What's your ten? What's your number My 10? number ten. Ten, 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 ten. From twenty sixteen. <laughs> What's your? <laughs> From nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Moonlight. Where on your list? Uh, Moonlight is my one, two, three, four. Number four. Yeah, I like Moonlight. I'll set it up, and then I'll let you start talking about it first, since it's your number four. Uh, directed by Barry Jenkins, starring um, Marishala Ali. Uh, is that how you pronounce it? That's, you said it earlier. No, yeah. That, yep, okay. That sounded right. Sheriff Earp, uh, Dwan Sanderson, Alex R. Hibbert, Janelle Monet, Naomi Harris, um, Jaden Piner. A uh, timeless story of human self-discovery and connection Moonlight chronicles the life of a young black man from childhood to adulthood as he struggles to find his place in the world while growing up in a rough neighborhood of Miami. Jones, balls in your court. Uh, Moonlight, from start to finish, in my opinion, was... We'll get into Oscar picks, but I fucking loved Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the score was awesome cinematography there's a lot of fucking really cool shots in moonlight um the sound i thought the sound was actually 
something I didn't realize, but they, because they, they have a lot of clips where they're just heavy on the ocean. You know, they talk about the ocean and shit mm-hmm. like that in the movie, and they're in there. But uh, overall, I thought Moonlight was one of the best movies of last year, obviously. Fourth best on my list. But uh, that actor, uh, Mahir Shala Ali, he's... I don't know. He keeps popping up. He had a really good SAG Awards uh, acceptance speech, too. Um, but I won't get into that. But he, uh, I'm a big fan of his acting. Um, Janelle Monet, who most people know that she's, she's a musician. I mean, she's a singer. She's an R&B artist is where she started off years ago. And she's slowly gotten into movies over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually forgot that was her in there until... You know, it slowly went on, but um, yeah, I thought the movie's fucking sweet. I thought Naomi Harris was amazing in yep. there. Yeah, totally. She was really I mean, good too. I'm used to seeing her now as she's the new money penny in the Bond movies. Yeah, <laughs> you see her as uh, I mean, she plays the mother of the main character, and she's you know addicted to crack, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's obviously not a good home life for the young boy, and uh, she really, it's really. I guess, how do you describe it? A real, uh, she flips the script <laughs> on preconceived notions you have about like the roles that she takes. Yep. It's not a role that, not to say that she wouldn't before, but this not the roles that I've seen her in. Right. And generally maybe, you know, she probably wasn't, hasn't been offered as many of these types of roles either. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that plays into it. Yeah. Yeah. It might've rated higher on my list. Um, I need to rewatch this to get a definitive, I mean, like a lot of these, some of these I've seen more than once. Some of them I haven't. Right. And like this top 10, you and I were talking off air that it was hard for us to even narrow it down to 10. Like I wanted, I was like, fuck, I should just text him. Like we're doing top 17 tomorrow. Even the placement. Cause I think moonlight bounced around a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I, I I was a huge fan. It it was one that, cause I went through a big Oscar surge here in the past few weeks of trying to knock out all the best picture nominees and out of all the movies i saw in theaters which included fences lion hidden figures moonlight um i think there was one more in there anyways this was this was one where i left and i immediately wanted to go back and watch it because it was i felt like i loved it and i know i feel like a second time around I'm going to like it even more. Um, now I'm a big fan of the score and soundtrack of films, and this is one where I want to buy mm-hmm. the soundtrack to it. Um, they do some chopped and screwed stuff at the end, which I thought was <laughs> cool as shit. You love that uh, chopped and screwed. <clears throat> they also, I think, have some Gorilla Zoe songs, which is a rapper from Miami. Um, uh, but they also they just have some good scoring that's done. There's a handful of scenes, which it's not giving anything away, where... where uh, Naomi Harris is yelling, um, but it's silenced, and then it's just bright colors kind of going on or just mm-hmm. around her that are highlighted. Um, I don't know. I thought they, the more I thought about the movie after I left, the more I liked it. It mm-hmm. kind of sunk in, I mean, as a kind of the few days after the movie. And I didn't get that out of all, out of all the recent movies I watched. That's probably this movie has happened the most so and that um little alex r hibbert that kid is fucking solid mm-hmm. he doesn't have a ton of speaking parts but he does really well i thought so i'm always i feel critical 
whether I want to or not, of child actors. Yeah. Uh, and I thought he did awesome. The cast overall was great. Yeah, all three of the actors that played the main character were great. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the only reason it didn't rate higher on my list is because it might be because I just loved the first two acts so much that maybe the third was a little, I wouldn't even say lackluster. I'd just say it just, I don't know, I guess that maybe I just didn't think it was quite as good as the first two acts. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, that will probably change yep. next time I watch it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of in that... Well, I got to wait and see, which, you know, there's several movies on my list that if I watch it a second or third time, it'll probably move. Yeah. But as of right now, Moonlight's 10. <laughs> put, yeah. my, put my foot down. Put your foot down. <laughs> Four banger for me. Um, okay, what's your number 10? My number 10, Arrival. Does that make your list? Knocked it off my list. Did you? I did. So funny thing, I had Arrival off my list, and I ended up booting my number 10 and moving this in because I kept flip-flopping back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Arrival, directed by Dennis Villeneuve. I feel like that's not how you pronounce the first name. Uh, stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg. Um, it is when 12 mysterious spacecraft appear around the world, linguistics professor Louise Banks is tasked with interpreting the language of the apparent alien visitors. Um, so yeah, it was my number 10. Uh, this movie was fantastic. The visuals are really good. Um, I actually went into it. Well, I don't want to give too much away, I guess. I went into it not expecting to see certain things, and you saw them, and it didn't take it away from me, I guess. Uh, yeah, but, the uh, I think part of the reason it's not on my list, um, I did love it. Um, There's kind of a, you know, the ending kind of ties everything together, like it does most movies, but yeah. <clears throat> maybe more so in this one um, because of the... <laughs> The whole movie is pretty much about what happens at the end and the revelation yeah. that you that comes about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I saw it at Lagoon. And what do you think happened when I saw it at Lagoon? People talking? At that moment. <laughs> God, fucking Lagoon, dude. But in fact, <laughs> if I remember right, this is the... Because there's multiple movies on this list that were partly ruined by Lagoon. Yeah, hate that. <laughs> and they were actually there were some people laughing. Like, not I don't even think they were laughing at the movie because there's nothing funny going on. Um, <laughs> what do you find out? What you find out? And it was like right in the middle. I'm like turning around, like, what the fuck is going on here? Why are these people laughing? Like they're cracking jokes or something or other. Yeah. And it was completely took me out of it. To the point where I'm like, did I miss something? So after the movie, I'm like going, like trying to find the, like a full like plot synopsis, mm-hmm. like everything read out, you know, which is kind of hard to do for movies that are just released. Right. So I had to go on YouTube and see like, uh, you know, the people have videos like the ending of this movie explained or something like that. I had to watch one of those to make sure I didn't like miss too much. <laughs> like there was, uh, I think there was like one or two words I think I kind of missed. Um, sure. Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams and whoever's talking to each other and whatnot. But yeah, I, uh, 
experience was a little bit ruined watching yeah. this the first time. So hate that. Still liked it a lot, but uh, I just had to leave it off my list. Uh, that happened when I watched Lion in the theaters uh, with me. Yeah, when I was uh, talking the whole time. No, no, <laughs> I somebody laughed or something like that. And it was that a, wasn't at Lagoon though. That was at uh, no, 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 no. I'm not not saying Lagoon. I'm just saying in general. And that's happened before movies where somebody will laugh. Oh no, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't lying. It was Fences. Fences. Okay. Somebody laughed in Fences during a part that it was like, it's not funny. <laughs> like I, the the like, the meanness of Denzel Washington. It wasn't meant to be funny at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, and I get it. Maybe somebody took it a different way or whatever, but it was like completely throws me off. I'm like, it's not supposed to be fucking funny. Quit laughing. Mm-hmm. But no, Arrival is great. Uh, I like. I did like to see uh, Jeremy Renner. I keep picturing him in the fucking Avengers movies these days. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of nice to see him take a step away from superhero. And I mean, he was also, what, Born? Wasn't he uh, in The Last Jason Born? I think he was the guy. Uh, well, the, the, the last Jason Bourne was Jason Bourne, but... Or the one before. Matt Damon, it was yeah. before that. Before that. Born so Legacy. He, so he's big action type. He's zero action in this movie. Although there's aliens mm-hmm. and there's, you know, some te- intense parts, he plays a physics... Or, uh, physicist? Yeah, physicist. Um, So he's just fucking talking and so it was kind of nice to see him away from that stuff i guess so yeah uh, more like you want to see more american hustle or something like yeah that i mean because he used to do that stuff and i get when people hop into the action and movie roles when they're successful well then you're stuck in it for a handful of movies which means you're stuck there for five ten years but no arrival is good good flick my number nine hacksaw ridge on your list? Didn't make the cut. Did not make the cut. Oh. You watched it yesterday? Yesterday. Did not make the cut. <laughs> liked it a lot. Yeah. Liked it more than I thought I was going to like it. Oh, yeah? Uh, because I was unsure how I was going to feel about Vince Vaughn and uh, <laughs> Andrew Garfield yeah. in, in the roles they were playing. Mm-hmm. But anyways, go ahead. Uh, directed by our Lord and Savior, uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> 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 Uh, just kidding. Uh, starring Andrew Garfield, Sam Worthington, Luke Bracey, Teresa Palmer, Vince Vaughn, uh, Hugo Weaving, and Richard Pyros. All right. World War II American Army medic Desmond D. T. Doss, who served during the Battle of Okinawa, refuses to kill people and becomes the first man in American history to receive the Medal of Honor without firing a shot. So this is based off of a true story. Uh, so much so that I looked up a little bit of the historical accuracy. Because uh, he was a conscien- conscientious objector. Mm-hmm. But he volunteered for the Army. He could have gotten yeah. a deferment. He worked in, I think, a shipyard or somewhere near Pearl Harbor when it was attacked. Okay. And uh, that kind of made him want to join and serve his country. But uh, from an early age, he swore off kind of violence or killing. And so his big thing was he didn't ever wanted to touch a rifle. And he thought when he signed up, he could do that. There was obviously a lot of attempts to keep him out of the military, give him a Section 8. Um, his commanding officer and you know platoon mates 
Um, they, you know, they considered him weak because not only did he not want to use a rifle, he was also very small in stature. He's a tiny guy, mm-hmm. kind of a cornstalk. Yeah, cornstalk, <laughs> wiry frame. Like you want to pull an ear off you. Um, and he was also a very he was a Seventh Day Adventist, which is isn't that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints type of thing? Are I didn't the know. Same? I guess I wasn't sure. I that's what I I guess that's what I thought it was, but I'm not positive. But yeah, like a a sect of very strict Christianity, mm-hmm. and. He had his set of morals and his beliefs and convictions, and he wasn't going to change for anyone. Um, There's certain things in the movie obviously didn't happen in the way they said it did, but that was mostly with um, fam- like family situations and things like that. But his heroics on the war field, um, he's credited with, he got the Congressional Medal of Honor. Yes, the first yeah man to... At least conscientious. Uh, je- uh, je- <laughs> Ever have that? Words you can't get? Where is that? <laughs> you ever have that? Words you can't get? <laughs> Con- <laughs> Shien- conscientious? Conscientious, right? Conscientious. Conscientious. Conscience. Objector. Yeah. <laughs> but he called, him, called himself conscientious cooperator, didn't he? Yeah, that's what he described himself as because he just trying to serve his country. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there was he's credited with saving seventy five men, kind of pretty much behind. I wouldn't say behind. Well, yeah, I guess you could say behind enemy lines, but it was he was pretty much yeah. by himself and he did all this stuff himself. And to describe it would ruin part of the movie, so I'll just say seventy saved seventy five people. He saved much more than that mm-hmm. over his career. In fact, he was in numerous battles before Okinawa um, that I, I read about as well. Um, but I really like the conflicting ideologies of mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield. That's why another – I saw him in silence. He's amazing in silence. Um, right. He's really impressed right. me this year with uh, his roles. And I was a little worried with the Hacksaw Ridge as well just because of – kind of how the movie was made it's i wouldn't say it's like an old-timey way of making a film but it's definitely kind of polished even though it's very gritty at the same time yeah see way put it um but yeah he, he fits that stature of dos perfectly because he's a little guy right garfield is and he loves lasagna and <laughs> And he hates Mondays. <laughs> well, he hates Saturdays. Or he loves Saturdays. That's why he needs a break. <laughs> I hate Mondays. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like the conflicting ideologies of him wanting to be a pacifist, not wanting to raise arms against anyone, regardless of, you know, because a lot of them are saying, you know, if you're helping someone and someone is shooting at that person or you, you know, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be able to shoot back. Yeah. And he was just, I wanted to serve my country how, you know, staying true to his convictions yeah. and not wanting to kill. He considered that the most important commandment. And there's things that happened in his childhood that kind of reinforced that belief in yeah. himself that I won't go into too much. But, yeah, I really like the contrast. Um, and Vince Vaughn, 
Yeah, it was a little early on. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this yeah. Vince Vaughn in here. Yeah. But he he convinced me by the end of his, especially his character had a pretty good arc to it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that by the end of it, I was like, I was on board with, you did well in here, Vince. Yeah. That'll he, do pick. I, I was sold by the end of it. Uh, initially, so I watched an interview with him. I, I, I had completely forgotten he was in the movie. Um, and then I watched an off-camera with Sam Jones TV episode uh, with Vince Vaughn. Your wife has a... Has <laughs> yeah, a she transforms show? into a man and then interviews celebrities. Uh, but, um, and he talks about being in Hacksaw Ridge. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's, he's in Hacksaw Ridge? As an army sergeant, uh, <laughs> I guess I just d- I didn't believe him In- initially. It d- I wasn't sold. I actually was sold on Andrew Garfield uh, immediately. It was pretty quick that I was like, he's. Fu- I couldn't remember if he got he was nominated for an Oscar for it, but I go if he wasn't, he should be. I thought he was good. I was like, I thought he was really good. Uh, I always think of Andrew Garfield as social network whiny, uh, <laughs> Eduardo Severn. Whiny bitch. Uh, my name's on the masthead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. My name's on the masthead. <laughs> and he's good in there, but he's whiny. <laughs> whiny the whole movie. Uh, and, um, and then Spider-Man. I mean, those are the two I yeah. think of him as. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to be into this. But it's Mel Gibson. We had our Mel Gibson episode of Should You Watch This Shit or Not. It's still Mel Gibson. The guy, he can still direct the film. Uh, mm-hmm. But, um. Overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought you put it well with saying the movie was filmed in kind of a polished, old-timey way. But I'll say, without giving any details away, the minute the war scenes kicked in, fucking brutal. Like, I was mm-hmm. I was actually surprised at how brutal some of the scenes are based on how the first half of the movie is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't think it was going to be that heavy, I guess, in some of the s- stuff they depict. Um, but I mean, it's completely realistic. A lot of the stuff they depicted. Um, yeah, I'd say it's brutal and shocking. I absolutely. guess I wasn't really surprised just because of the last movie he directed was Apocalypto. <laughs> Before s- that was The Passion of the Christ. Yeah, but I guess those movies. I haven't seen Apocalypto, but I've heard about it. I guess this one just because it not that it was light hearted in the beginning, but it mm-hmm. just wasn't as gritty. As all of a sudden it turned into yep. when war. And I think, to your point, the contrast of even that was solid. I went from being like, this is a good movie, to holy shit. Like, <laughs> it, it like kept me going type thing. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I was a big fan of Hacks. So I just didn't make the cut. Yeah. All right. What's your number nine? <clears throat> number nine. Little movie called Don't Think Twice. You seen Don't Think Twice? I have not. Okay. Don't Think Twice, directed by Mike Verbigula. Stars Leah. Verbig Leah. <laughs> stars Mike Verbigula. <laughs> Jillian Jacobs. Kate Micucci. Micucci. What is it? Micucci. Micucci. Uh, Keegan Michael Key. Um, those are kind of the heavy hitters. But uh, when a member of a popular New York City improv troupe gets a huge break, the rest of the group, all best friends, start to realize that not everyone is going to make it after all. This was an excellent, excellent movie. Um, 
it's not as much funny it is as drama i would say but i thought the subject dramedy yeah i would say it's more of a dramedy but i thought it was appropriate because i mean the whole thing is about um an improv group and they're all trying to get on snl everybody they don't call it snl i forget what they call um they call like weekend live or something weekend live because they use a plan i I assume weekend update we had it at the theater and i saw the trailer for it about 50 times yeah uh and all these guys are trying to get on there and mike uh Mike B. Berbigula. <laughs> Biglia. Berbiglia. Uh, you and I struggle with certain words. God, we struggle with names to beat Hill. Uh, <laughs> um, good thing Ruth Nayaga isn't in this. Um, Maybe she will be. But the whole movie is him. He's basically he like was. a has-been who's like, I almost made it on there. I was so close. So close. And then everybody else is trying to make it on there. And then Keegan-Michael Key, it's not giving up anything. He makes it on there pretty early. Everybody's jealous. And it turns into this big jealous type. Um, big jelly bowl. Yeah. But they all expect him to kind of drag them along too. Like, get our writing in there and do this and stuff. Movie was really good. Um, I believe most of the... V- characters have done improv in the past i know keegan keegan has um pretty sure jillian jacobs has as well as well as that kate mccucci uh i think her also i think her name is actually pronounced gillian gillian jacobs, jacobs. yeah okay i said jillian jacobs forever as well that's all i think somebody's like it's pronounced gillian <laughs> you go shut up <laughs> uh, i can read <laughs> I can read and write. I just don't like to read and write. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, overall, I thought it was really, really good movie. Um, and don't think Tice's whole name comes from, and they say it early on, is oh, the big tip in improv is you, you just, you're playing a character. Don't think twice about what you're about to do. Just do it type thing mm-hmm. like that. Just commit to what you're doing. But uh, no, it was really good. Excellent. Excellent movie. I think it sits at 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. 99? Did I catch a niner in there? <laughs> Are you calling from a walkie-talkie? <laughs> That's my nine-banger. My eight bangs. La La Land. Where is it on your list? Eight. Oh! Yep. Perfect. <laughs> Knock this right out. Um Directed by Damien, uh, is it Kazil? Chazil? Kazil? He did Whiplash, correct, I believe? Correct. Yes, he yep. uh, wrote and directed Whiplash. So it's kind of his follow-up. Chazelle, I think it is. Okay. Giselle Bunchen. <laughs> Giselle Brady. Uh, stars Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Rosemary DeWitt, J.K. Simmons... Uh, anyone else we know? John Legend is in here. Yep, John Legend. Uh, jazz penis falls for an aspiring actress in Los Angeles is the storyline. Yes, uh, I like this movie quite a bit. Yeah, another sign of us needing a rating system. <laughs> well, we are rating it. This is number eight. This is the eighth best. Eighth best of the year. <laughs> eighth best. It's going to be huge. <laughs> Eight hugest. Huge. Huge. <laughs> uh, number eight. Uh, yeah, I loved, uh, I mean, when I see a musical, like I said before, I don't see a lot of musicals, but when I do and if I like it, I like it. 
I fucking like love it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Sing in the Rain. Anytime I see it on TV, I'm stopping and I'm watching at least some of it. Yeah, type of thing. Um, I could see that uh, happening for this as well. I mean, I'm not. I don't like it as much as Singing in the Rain, but it is similar to Singing in the Rain in that it's yeah, it's about Hollywood again. I'd say the only gripe I have about this movie is nothing wrong with the movie necessarily. It's more of just a the past five, six years, it's every other year a fucking movie about Hollywood wins Best Picture. Everyone sits there and fucking pats themselves on the back, like, see how cool we are with Argo and The yeah. Artist and yeah. uh, Birdman. I mean, Birdman wasn't about the film industry. It's about theater. It's about theater, but it's also about acting and about the film industry as well because it was a commentary, or commentary on block you know blockbuster action right, star super, yeah the superhero we play in yeah, yeah and they yeah. talk about superhero tentpole movies in there a bunch you know criticize them mm-hmm. and whatnot um so this is another movie made in hollywood about hollywood that sort of thing but it was i did uh i had a lot of respect for the ending i'll say that i agree i love the ending actually mm-hmm. i was glad to see it in that way uh yeah that's what all we can say yeah i was gonna that's all we can say about myself. that <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah you have any other comments i should point out that the opening <clears throat> scene is just amazing uh, i think i was almost in i was damn near actually like in tears of how like full of joy i was like watching the opening scene it was, was like, this is fucking great yeah this is one where i think i talked about it before after i'd seen it um i'm not a big musical person either I don't mind musicals, but I just, it, I usually don't watch them. Sam fucking loves musicals. So and there I, aren't that many, really. They're no, mostly well, animated. So the one reason, I, I initially had this a little higher on my list because it was kind of, it was refreshing to see a new genre kind of jump out and kind I don't know, captivate tons of people. I mean, musicals, like you said, largely have been animated in the past however many years musicals i mean were the big it was huge back in what the 50s and four i mean that's what most movies were based off of was musicals singing in the rain and you had mary poppins and all kinds of shit mm-hmm. and then it turned you know got more real in the 60s <laughs> uh and then you know you had sprinkles and musicals over the time but um i like to see emma stone <clears throat> kind of I think I said it to Sam, and it might just be my own personal view, but uh, she's come, she's fully redeemed herself since kind of the, I felt like she went through a little phase where she didn't want to be Easy A anymore, that type of character, like the dorky, fun one, super bad, Mm -hmm. Easy A. I thought I had read something where she wanted to be more serious, and she caught a lot of flack for it because I think she lost some weight, and then she didn't want to do that shit She, She lost, she had weight to lose? Well, that's the thing. She's skinny. I mean, she's pretty skinny. She's always been skinny. I, I wouldn't Easy say a. too skinny. I'd just say no, no, no. fit. Easy A, she, she's fine overall, but she's skinnier from Easy A to Birdman. Um, i trying to think if there's any movie in there. I that. could see that. Birdman, although the makeup kind of makes <laughs> her look more like a druggie. Right, and maybe they're trying to make her look that way, but I would say her body type is very similar to Birdman in this. And it's mm. not to say she's too skinny. She's just skinnier than she was in Easy A. And I felt like she went through this period of that weird Jim Carrey video where he saying he <laughs> loved her and shit like that. But like where she wanted to be more serious. And I think mm. she caught flack for it because it was like, 
well, we love those movies. Like, why are you trying to be a snob? I feel like she got kind of a snob guard. Uh, Birdman, I fucking loved her in Birdman. And mm-hmm. I was like, she's solid in here. Joan, I was like, I hope you're not going to take on a Kristen Stewart type approach to all your films. You know, like this <laughs> moody, serious, where you're good, but it's the same fucking character. This movie, she's awesome. Uh, I was curious her singing chops, too. I thought she did good. Yeah. Both of them. Uh, they both did really good. Dancing, singing. I have no idea their actual talents. Um, I'll be curious to know um, how much piano playing he actually did. I mean, because it was good. I mean, the piano parts are excellent. It was a lot of fun. The whole movie was good. Yeah, Gosling and Stone were... They really gave it their all in there, and they, they yeah. always do. It's not like I'm just, oh, Gosling wasn't wasn't the good in this one or, yeah. you know, in whatever movie I see him in. Yeah. So he's pretty much – he never – he doesn't take a day off. No, he does pretty – he's pretty solid. He's the Gaz. He's the fucking Gaz, dude. <laughs> all right. La La Land, off the list, number eight. So now we'll go to my number seven, Hell or High Water. Oof. Did it make your list or no? It's my number one. Oh, <laughs> shit. I yield the floor to you, sir. No, I fucking loved Hell or High Water. Uh, so Hell or High Water, directed by David McKenzie, stars Chris Pine, Ben Foster, um, Dale Dickey, Jeff Bridges, Kristen Berg. Uh, a divorced father and his ex-con older brother resort to a desperate scheme in order to save their family's ranch in West Texas. Hell or high water. Um, it met when I was trying to figure out the list. This initially wasn't my number one. I pushed it to number one because it met. It hit a lot of the criteria. Scores really good. There's great shots. Um, the cast is phenomenal. I mean, those guys are all good anyways. They're all proven actors, I would say, too. Chris Pine, I will say, though, um, I was curious to see how well he would do next to guys like Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges. For some reason, I just didn't know if mm-hmm. those two, to me, they've proven themselves in a movie like this that they can definitely hold their own. I was just curious how he would p- play out. Uh, and he did fantastic. Um, the writing. I also The writing was fucking excellent i thought mm-hmm. the story was smart i didn't expect it to be as smart as it was I, without giving too much away on the way they kind of closed loopholes related to their bank heist um to save the ranch and stuff like that and jeff bridges or whatever you know he's he's plays that smart kind of detective but i thought it was, it was very smart it was smarter than i anticipated it to be but uh yeah, I fucking loved Hell or High Water. Did you give the director and all that stuff? Maybe it wasn't yep, David me. McKenzie. Okay. Uh, which I don't know what other work he's done offhand, but um, um, I forget. He uh, when you click on it, you'll see he was in a bunch of big movies over the past couple of years. I forget okay. if he was cinematographer or um, no, wait, he's a writer. He wrote. Fuck. So I'm looking at what, what he. he I'm looking at what he directed, and nothing's catching my eye. Writing wise, Hallam Foe, Young Adam, The Last Great Wilderness. I thought there was something. Maybe is the writer of Hell or High Water. I'm thinking about it. That's going to do something now. I don't know. T- Taylor Sheridan 
rings a bell. Yeah, Taylor Sheridan, the writer of Hell or High Water, also wrote Sicario. Yeah, um, and he's doing this the second one. And he directed his first film, I believe, with Jeremy Renner that's coming out pretty soon. I think it's Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. Wind River? Does that sound right? Maybe. He only has two director credits, one from 2011 called Vile, and then 2017 Wind River. If you click on that, I'm sure it's probably says Jeremy Renner, which just seems pretty... uh, Yep. Uh, Oh, fucking my boy? In Wind River? <laughs> Got John Bernthal? <laughs> yeah. Let him watch. Let him watch. Let him watch. Yeah, Wind River's got Jeremy Renner, John Bernthal, Elizabeth Olsen. Sweet. Yeah, Hell or High Water. I fucking... I loved Hell or High Water. It was great. It was a perfect length. Uh, I'm finding myself getting more and more into westerns, which is, isn't a heavy western, but because it's set in... Texas, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, West Texas. Uh, you get that Western feel from yep. it. Uh, some of the shootouts and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, after I first saw it in August, um, I think I even remember telling you, I was thinking, like, I, this might be my, you know, pick for best picture type of thing, but that was, you know, before all the other movies, or, you know, a bunch of the other movies, at least, were going to come out. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of tread water, and I don't know, I just... I've seen it a few times, and I wouldn't say it's it's number seven. It's number seven for me. <laughs> That's what you'll I wouldn't say. say it's gotten worse or anything like that. I just, I don't know. These, I think this year, um, you know, it varies. The quality of the films that are nominated for Best Picture of the Year varies yep. greatly. Yep. Sometimes you get a couple of front runners and then a bunch of piles of shit. Or I think the cases this year where I think pretty much all the nominees are just amazing films, but maybe one doesn't really stand out above the other as much. Sure. So I have like a problem with all these movies where I'm like, I could switch two through seven around on here pretty mm-hmm. easily. Yep. And it would be the same thing for me. Hell or high water could go as high as two for me. Sure. Um, but yeah, I loved. I mean, Ben Ben Foster. He's got to get an Oscar one of these days. He's, he's so, so good, good in everything he's in. Everything it's he's good. Yep. And yeah, I was impressed as well by Chris Pine. That was the only thing I was worried about too. And I was like, this movie's fucking kicks ass. And it's not that he isn't good in other stuff, but it's like Star Trek. You know, he's good in it. Uh, this movie is just something that, especially when you're next to Jeff Bridges for one, mm-hmm. in you know a fucking western style cop shoot them up to it's i mean you got to hold your own i mean you got to kind of mesh with everybody and stuff and chris pine was he was excellent he did a good job i forget what the other the uh jeff bridges partner's name was is that buck taylor no it's not buck taylor anyways he was good too yeah um so what's your number seven is your seven crossed off Nope. Okay. My number seven. Everybody wants some. Okay. Yeah, not on my list, but that didn't make the list. Didn't make the list. Really? I did love it. There was two comedies I wanted to put on here. Okay. Um. I I don't want to spoil your list, but I can say like the nice guys. Mm-hmm. I had that on my list here, and then I just like all these movies. I just had to bump it off. 
<laughs> I really wanted to <laughs> give some love to the nice guys, Shane Black, but uh, they might get some love later on my list. Maybe. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> so everybody wants some directed, written by Richard Linklater, stars Blake Jenner, Justin Street, Ryan Guzman, Tyler Hoechlin, Wyatt Russell. Um, yeah, those are the heavy hitters. Uh, Synopsis, in 1980, a group of college baseball players navigate their way through the freedoms and responsibilities of unsupervised adulthood. Um, so this falls right in line with Richard Linklater's other movie, Dazed and Confused. It's mm-hmm. basically the 80s version of that, I would say. Yeah, they call it a spiritual sequel. Yeah. Uh, the reason why this made my list and it was so high is because, and I think this is true of several movies on my list is I went into them expecting one thing and they surprised me in a better way. Mm-hmm. And this was one where it, I went into it thinking it was like days and confused. And, you know, there's some like, uh, high school, like becoming who you are and whatever types of things and days and confused. But I, this was, I found to be a lot deeper. And even though they're talking it out a lot more where there's not a lot to like, say like oh yeah that was the theme i think mm-hmm. what's his face in the movie i'm drawing a blank uh the pictures aren't that great anyways one of the characters basically is talking the entire thing almost explaining social interactions mm-hmm. this is why we're doing this and this is <laughs> you know we do it for this re- he's almost like explaining to the audience the exact reason why they're doing all this and why it's all occurring and stuff and i thought it was kind of cool that they jumped you mean scott glenn i think it was scott glenn no, I mean the uh, or what? The hidden figures he played. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays Scott or uh, is that? Wait, am Scott, I met, not Scott? Am I John Glenn. Up? John Glenn. Sorry. Yeah, I knew it wasn't Scott. John. Uh, Glenn. But that actor, yeah, he like is explaining he's the whole my fucking favorite time. And everybody and wants some. He's, he's so, so funny. good. Uh, <laughs> and also because I watched Road to uh, Perdition, an old Tyler Hoechlin is a little kid mm-hmm. <laughs> from there, which I got kind of a kick out of. Yeah. Uh, I just seen Road to Perdition. Uh, yeah, the uh, I'm sorry. Did you say the name of John, the John Glenn actor from Hidden Figures? No, it's because I don't remember his. Is it Finnegan in here? Maybe. I, well, just look at I'll his click. face. He's got a pretty well, a little thumbnail. Yep. So he, the character's name is Finnegan. The actor's name is Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. That's right. Because uh, yeah, like the stuff he says in there, like I'm very. I overanalyze things too much. Yeah. I'm very analytical and my head's always racing a lot of anxiety type of shit. So like what he's talking about, like social situations and interactions and how things work. Like it was, I was very relatable to me because it was like, that's the stuff I think about in my head, but uh, there's no way I could like express that eloquently. Like he does. Yeah. He's so funny and he's very, so rapid fire. It was like, it would, if I even tried to do that, it would just jumble out like a, pile of shit coming out of my mouth no he's but it's like all that stuff that's in my head that i think about he's like saying yeah sam was not a fan of everybody wants them i told her my top 10 list and where this ranked and i go yeah i'm thinking my initial list and this is this was always on my list Mm -hmm. she goes well you know which one i'd kick off (laughs) she she was not a fan of everybody wants them she thought it was too too much of like a bromance the entire fucking movie uh and I got it. I was like, I, I get what you mean. Like, he, I think I like this movie so much because I could relate to it. And not even in the sense that I was ever a jock. 
or that the baseball thing or anything. But it's it's kind of the the brotherhood amongst men or how men act when they're all together. Um, or even the just the way he's talking out stuff with social interactions. I would think like that a lot, too, when I was mm-hmm. in the like it, it was super relatable, I guess. I mean, I always thought too deep into certain shit where it was like I got a kick out of that Finnegan character. But the whole movie is really good. Soundtrack, again. Yeah. Is right in line with Days of Confuse. It's got all your classic hits and it's played perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that is my number seven. My number six. Shh, shh, silence. <laughs> silence is my number six. So I have two movies that I'm saying probably would have made my list had I seen them, but I hadn't seen them, so obviously I couldn't uh-huh. put them on there. Silence and I feel like The Founder. Okay. Yeah, yes. founder did. We were we talked about that. We were worried yep. that it was like, oh, it keeps on getting pushed back, and they're not promoting yeah. it, so it might be a pile of shit. Well, it's like both critics and users are in the eighties. They like it on tomatoes. So, uh, yeah, looks like it's good. So I was curious how you're not going to be able to tell me enough about Silence, but that's all right. Well, Silence, directed by of course Martin Scorsese, is kind of like a like a twenty five year like passion project. Just spent a lot of time trying to get this to film um stars andrew garfield adam driver liam neeson uh there's a lot of japanese actors and i'm gonna butcher names <laughs> uh tadanobi or nobu asano isei ogata shinye sukamoto it's pronounced moto <laughs> hello moto um in the seventh, in the seventeenth century, two Portuguese Jesuit priests. Does that already pronounce that? The Jesuit, 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 Jesuit. Oh, Jesuit. Well, you learn something every day. There you go. Just talk to me. To Jesuit priests travel to Japan in an attempt to locate their mentor, who is rumored to have committed apostasy and to propagate Catholicism. So it starts out. Uh, would you say Jesuit? Jesuit. Yeah, Jesuit. So Kylo Ren and Spider-Man are <laughs> Jesuit priests, and their mentor is... Your boy Kylo Ren's in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the mentor is Liam Neeson, and apostasy is pretty much... Um, I don't know if you want to... I mean, yeah, you can look up the actual definition, but it's basically just um, renouncing your religion. Um, it's denying, like, if you're a Christian, commit apostasy, you're basically denying Christianity and God and mm-hmm. your beliefs. So there had a rumor that he denied his religion and uh, he's living in Japan somewhere. And maybe perhaps dead, maybe tortured. Because at the time, uh, they were a Buddhist country and they didn't, if he had, a, like, an alien type religion which at the time christianity would have been an alien religion to that country mm-hmm. uh they got rid of you tortured or made you switch or deny your religion to stay there um yeah going into this movie i thought like you know i saw the runtime is a little just over two and a half hours i knew it had a lot to do with christianity or you no know, that's pretty much all it is is christianity mm-hmm. um scorsese is a devout catholic even on uh um, what's the <laughs> uh, the show with uh, inside the actor studio? Mm-hmm. 
you know, they always, they always has those, what the five questions at the end, you know, what would you say to God if you, you know, if you yeah. saw him at the end, yeah. what's your favorite word or, um, and he, he said, you know, he couldn't say it. Everyone's was most people that their answer is fuck. Fuck is their favorite word to use or whatever. You know, obviously Scorsese movies, he set records with the amount of efforts right. he's had in movies. Um, but he even said he couldn't even say it on the show. He's like, I, I'm too Catholic. I can't, I can't say it. <laughs> it's like, you can't say fuck <laughs> your movies. That's all it is. You're going to say write fuck. it <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, he's a devout Catholic and this is a real passion project for him. And I thought maybe it'd be pretty slow kind of mm-hmm. a lot of maybe, uh, biblical history or history of catholicism i thought there'd be more of that sort of thing in there but i was have you ever been ice fishing (laughs) it's fucking (laughs) exhilarating like it was it completely kind of surprised me i was i wouldn't see on the edge of my seat but i was engaged the entire runtime okay just surprised because it was very intense as well because you think they're just going to go over there and you know preach christianity to people but no, there is a there was a minority Christian population amongst the Japanese who had to, you know, worship in hiding because they would be killed, tortured or killed. Mm-hmm. And the only way out of it would be to I mean, you could get out of it kind of by uh, committing apostasy. You can deny religion, but not that wouldn't always get you out. Sometimes they wanted certain people to turn. And so they would kill other Christians to. Like, okay, if you don't apostatize, we're going to kill these other ones. And these other ones have already apostatized. Right. So we're going to kill them anyways unless you do it. So it was kind of a, they just tortured and killed whoever they wanted. Sure. They were just trying to switch everyone over to Buddhism, or at least get rid of, you know, drop their Christian beliefs. Um, So there's some very harrowing, devastating torture scenes in here. Huh. uh, A lot of people get tortured. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. The performances, yeah, Garfield is great. Um, there's another, there's another character who, just like Hacksaw Ridge, big Christian, big fan of God, <laughs> big fan of Jesus in here. Um, that's another thing I kind of noticed. There's a lot of connections in my lists, of, like different people, um, and like different themes, because this is like Christianity is the, obviously like the main theme, and or just. Um, not necessarily Christianity, but just faith. Sure. Um, and also in Hacksaw Ridge, that's the main thing. Like when I talked about, I heard about how accurate it was. They said Desmond Doss had been offered millions of opportunities to the people wanted to make his story into a movie for years and years. Mm-hmm. He died back in like 06 or 08. Oh, and six. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was trying to remember the ending credit. Okay, yeah. Because they brought it. They mentioned it at the end. And, like, his son t- was telling the story. His son was doing an interview. He said he never would agree to a movie because he didn't think they would portray it accurately. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily, like, the war aspect of it. They didn't think he'd portray his Christianity as truthful as it was. Sure. And, you know, Mel Gibson gets a lot of flack for putting too much Christianity into his films, um, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Any jewish directors it's like i don't give the coen brothers shit for putting a lot of judaism into a serious man no i'm (laughs) fucking love a serious man people i 
my gripe with people who think like that is they don't take enough time to, I guess, understand the person putting the movie together and the fact that obviously they're they're interjecting things that <laughs> apply to them that are interesting to them. Yeah. Maybe people don't realize Mel Gibson is a big Christian. I mean, he, he's heavy in Catholic Catholicism, right? He's Catholic. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so you you should know that already. I mean, and if you don't, you should. Even if you don't care to read up on it, when you watch the movie, you should realize, oh, the director, or the you know, the main people putting this together, obviously wanted to interject that. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit? <laughs> it's yeah. their movie. They're creating it. Like uh, it's like just because Christianity <laughs> is the majority religion right, it, in here, it's like you can just it, shit on it and be like, no, it's cool if it's. Uh, a Jewish themed film or, uh, you know, an Islamist or, you know, you know, a Muslim themed film. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. It's like, oh, that's cool. It's so, you know, we should we should really support this. And if not you're support that worried about that, you should maybe research prior to going to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was the aspect of like Mel Gibson wearing his Christian heart on his sleeve. It was mm-hmm. more this guy was I mean, he wasn't Catholic, so he's a little different than Mel. His beliefs are probably just slightly different sure um because like their sabbath for the seventh day adventist was on saturday yep that was another bugaboo of one of desmond Doss's two bugaboos can't work <laughs> on saturdays guys can't carry gun can't work on saturdays not a particularly good listener i'm gonna giggle a lot when we're doing military stuff i take things <laughs> <laughs> no yeah those are his two bugaboos uh but yeah i think it was just more accurate to the portrayal of Desmond Doss where he really was this person religious wise in, in real life mm-hmm. and a hero and all that. So I thought that was perfect. And with silence, yeah, you could even, yes, it's mostly about Christianity, but it's also, you could say it's just more about faith in general because mm-hmm. it poses a lot of deep philosophical questions, True. especially when you're done watching the movie. It's not one of those. Um, yeah. There's plenty of movies that leave things open to interpretation but this doesn't necessarily do that. It gives you, it basically gives you the question. It poses the question to you. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the same way a clockwork orange poses the question of crime and punishment. What's yeah. right and what's wrong. Sure. So it just gives you a whole hell of a lot to think about type of thing. Yeah. And that's really why I loved it. So yeah. Go yeah. out and see my number six silence. I'm looking <laughs> forward to that one. <laughs> All right. What's your number six? My number six, the Neon Demon. My number one. Is it? <laughs> I was curious. How I, I assumed you'd make your list. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to take the reins? All righty. Uh, well, I guess I've, I know a, a little bit about it because I've watched it a, a minimum of seven times. Jesus. <laughs> I watched it once <laughs> and I went, that'll be in my top ten. <laughs> After I watched it. Uh, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, who obviously if you've been listening to the podcast, I'm a big fan of. <laughs> um, stars Elle Fanning, Jenna Malone, uh, Isabella or Bea Heathcote. Mm-hmm. So say, I don't know if it's... Because yeah, she sure. doesn't look Hispanic or anything, right? Is it just Bella Heathcote? We'll say Bella. We're going to phonetically sound it out. Bella. That's uh, how, there we go. That's how we're going to save us. We phonetically sound stuff out. Yeah, but that's what names. I do with Ruth Nyega. 
I sounded that out. Unless, <laughs> unless it sounds. Well, I'm just saying similar to a slur. If we're not sure how to pronounce a name, we're phonetically saying. <laughs> <laughs> also in here is Christina Hendricks, um, Carl uh, Glusman, who's also in Nocturnal Animals, hmm. um, and Keanu Reeves, who's <laughs> pretty great in here. He's a man. Uh, Abby Lee. I shouldn't say he's a man. Fucking yeah. creeper. Yeah, he's kind of a rapey. Yeah, he's rapey. very, very he's rape- rapist. Rapey. In this. <laughs> um, when aspiring model Jesse moves to Los Angeles, her youth and vitality are devoured by a group of beauty obsessed women who will take any means necessary to get what she has. So, the reason I, you know, I was when I saw this in June, it was only in theaters for a couple of weeks because Amazon released it it was amazon mm-hmm. studios so they only put it in theaters for a couple of weeks and then they just put it pretty much on their site i mean i saw it in an amc but i don't it didn't really get like a wide release yeah or if it was it wasn't that many screens yeah um and then i rented it on amazon and like they gave it to you for 30 days you paid like six eight bucks or whatever it was like you get it for 30 days and i was like <laughs> sweet <laughs> about the blu-ray and yeah i've literally watched it seven times at least um several of those times have been uh, a few cocktails in me <laughs> uh the score and soundtrack to this movie i fucking love i bought it immediately after seeing the movie because mm-hmm. it's by it's another one by cliff martinez who keeps on working over and over again with Reffin, he worked on Only God Forgives and Drive. Oh. I love both of those two soundtracks, especially Drive. Yeah, excellent scores. Don't you have the Drive on vinyl? No. Uh, well, I no. thought maybe you got it on vinyl. No, no, I saw it. I would buy it on vinyl, though. It's a great score. Um. Yes, it's, I mean, it's, he does, like, Drive is, you know, it's a fable. Kind of, it can be boiled down to, like, the scorpion and the toad type mm-hmm. of fable. And, um. This is kind of another fable. It's also the typical, you know, what behind the ears girl goes cross country to L.A. to, you know, fulfill her dreams of being an actress or model or, you know, whatever she wants to do. In this case, it's she wants to be a model. Yeah. Um, She's 16, doesn't have any family, according to uh, her. They're all gone now, I think is what she says. Yeah. Um, And it's. It really shows, as La La Land shows the magic of L.O.A., <laughs> Neon Demon shows the seedy underbelly. And it's very almost like Lynchian, if you will, just showing the underbelly of, David Lynch shows the underbelly of like typical Midwest society, small town society, like oh. idyllic white picket fence. This shows the underbelly of L.A. And it's a lot of stuff that, a lot of themes discussed of, I mean, it's a lot of real type of shit. I mean, we can't even talk about some of these themes because it'll ruin the ending. And that how, I mean, the metaphors that are involved and what's going on. The tagline's perfect. Beauty is vicious. (laughs) It's a great way to put it. I was going to explain it the exact same way. Like, La La Land is like a nice kid trying to say like, oh, Hollywood's tough. Neon Demon's like, a fucking serial killer showing you that Hollywood stuff. <laughs> they're you both, see some they're cool both saying shit? like, it's going to be tough out there. This is like, 
don't take your mom to this <laughs> type movie. La La Land's like, yeah, we'll sing and talk about how tough it is. Yeah, not even to this say one's that... like, we'll fucking eat your face. <laughs> yeah, not to say that La La Land is like fake and no, portraying <laughs> like even as like a nicer yeah. version of L.A. And not to say that L.A. is this demonic force as it is a neon demon no but it's it's in between you know I, I might even venture closer to neon demon than la la land the cynical side <laughs> of me 100 percent appreciated neon demon <laughs> just saying like how superficial and just i don't know just the way i i envision a lot of people who are in hollywood they're all out for themselves type thing mm-hmm. And, like, the very cynical dark side is, like, this is what that is, which the, is why it's the, so good. The photographer explains that beauty isn't everything. It's the only thing. Yeah. And that's kind of perfect of what's kind of the general consensus out there. I mean, not that everyone out there thinks that, but that's kind of the, I don't want to say stereotype either, because that just makes it seem like it's not true at all. <laughs> when you think of a stereotype, it's a always about like a minority or an ethnicity or something like mm-hmm. that and it's something that's not true that's damaging to that culture well i want some of this is true for for la yeah and the other part of it is the style the fucking colors that he uses is so very kubrickian um yeah the camera movements he moves the camera in similar ways as kubrick does he uses i would I wouldn't say similar colors because it's a lot of neon stuff, but the way he uses color is amazing. And teamed up with Cliff Martinez is like a match made heaven for me. Like, I just want those two to just make movies together so I can get those soundtracks. Like, mm-hmm. the soundtrack with, like, if you listen to this movie with headphones, like, put some beats on, plug it into the sound system, and watch this movie and blast, it'll fucking blow you away. Yeah. Yeah, the visuals are. It didn't disappoint. I mean, having seen, yeah, all the previous Refn movies, it was like, they're fucking excellent. <laughs> like, you, the you, visuals and the score alone are just so good. The story I could give a shit less about at certain points. I'm like, God, this is just so fucking baller. Like, it's just <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, the critics would say it's, you know, it's style over substance. I'm like, mm, nah, that's not, he, not necessarily. He has enough substance in it. Yeah, there's, there's definitely other... enough to warrant all the style. Absolutely. Most of the shots that are really vivid and stuff like that, they're more, I get, they're really highlighting what you're supposed to be getting out of like that particular scene or they're foreshadowing something to come up. Uh, Yeah. I love Neon Demon. And I guess uh, just two more words to uh, convince you to go out and see it. Jenna Malone. (laughs) Yeah. Jenna Malone in here is. Stepmom, stepdaughter. (laughs) Uh, you'll, you'll think of Jim differently. She definitely, I really wanted her to be nominated for best supporting. Um, I didn't, her role is pretty controversial mm-hmm. as you'll find out, but it is, she's outstanding in here. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I loved her and, you know, Donnie Darko and all that, but she's kind of been like hunger games. She was in inherent vice for that little part. Oh, yeah, she, she hasn't been in vice. all that much, but recently she has been cause of kind of hunger games and whatnot, but. And Elle Fanning has been just dominating yeah. Dakota Fanning in movies lately. <laughs> yeah, well, Dakota's kind of been having some troubles of her own, so we'll just I, I guess we'll I leave her I don't follow this. the personal stuff as much. But you know, I just know that she's had some 
issues over the past couple of years. But Elle Fanning's been killing it because she's even in that 20th Century Woman, which mm-hmm. is yep. supposed to be really good. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it. I would love to have seen it before the Oscars, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and also since I've, I've seen it so many times, that's why I knew I was like, it's got to be number one. I keep on wanting to watch it and then I don't get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I will actually be doing an analysis, a written one of that. Fancy. Coming up, I wouldn't say probably at least for another month or so because I'd like to do more Discover Movies first. Mm-hmm. Then I'll watch it one more time. And I actually already watched it like uh, a few weeks ago again and took some notes. Yeah. But I'm going to take more notes because um, I did it kind of uh, in a different frame of mind, a few cocktails and whatnot. Yeah. Because it's uh, definitely fun to see it in different aspects or different states of mind, I guess. Yep. I can see that. So, what is your number six? That was my six. Okay. Neon Demon. Oh, that's right. Okay, so now it's on to my number five. My number five, Manchester by the Sea. We're fishing. I didn't make the list. Did not make the list. I wanted it to. I just... That's one that easily could have made the list. Probably as close as number five, I would say. Yeah, I see there's a recurring theme, not just in my list, but just the like, Oscar-nominated uh, Best Picture list of movies. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all of them, except for Lion and like Hidden Figures, they're fucking downers. <laughs> like, there is some heavy, depressing shit in all of them. Yeah. Um. I guess loving's not as depressing, but it's a pretty tough subject matter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, Manchester by the Sea, directed by Kenneth Lonergan, uh, starring Casey Affleck, Michelle Williams, Kyle Chandler, and Lucas Hedges, who is pretty great in here. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty solid. Um, an uncle is asked to take care of his teenage nephew after the boy's father dies. So yes, this is a very heavy drama. There's definitely some funny parts. Um, I was expecting heavier, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. The light parts broke it up perfect to me. Yeah. There's enough mild humor that I was, I enjoyed it 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I don't even want to talk about the ending so much of if it was like a happy ending or a depressing ending or, because yeah. it's, maybe it's another one you don't expect, kind of like La La Land. Yeah, the ending's the only actual part that, I wanted a little more. Yeah, okay. Out of, I think. So maybe you were had a similar to like my take on Moonlight. Maybe the ending was just sure. slightly, yep. slightly underwhelming or something like that, yep. or it didn't match up to the first two acts. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what happened for you with this. Um, I I could say that too. I I wouldn't say I was disappointed at all at the ending. It was just like, oh, it's a heavy movie. <laughs> <laughs> so i'll just say that uh yes very heavy family drama the performances are outstanding michelle williams doesn't even look like michelle williams like i knew she was in it going in and like first half the movie i didn't even like like it didn't click in my head that yeah well there's michelle williams like right away i asked sam i go after she had talked for a little bit i go is that michelle williams or is she coming up (laughs) And she goes, no. Except we threw the movie when she she's goes, showing up. That's Michelle Williams. And I go, fuck, that didn't even look like <laughs> <it."> <laughs> She does definitely look different. Yeah. 
some of it is the i mean her imdb pick or like profile pick is like a you know a short bob haircut i think i picture that short bob more yeah. often than not yeah but yeah let's say the performance this is more of a performance driven film and it is pretty terrific mm-hmm. so yeah that was my number five your number five. Oh, my number five the lobster rock lobster rock lobster <laughs> uh, list. i haven't seen it you haven't seen the lobster mm-hmm. uh so the lobster directed by phonetically yorgos lanthimos uh stars colin farrell rachel weiss john c Riley's in this um yeah those are kind of the big people Jessica Barden uh, in a dystopian near future single people according to the laws of the city are taken to the hotel where they are where they are obliged to find a romantic partner in 45 days or are transformed into beasts and sent off into the woods um, the story alone so two things first I went into it expecting a very heavy drama I guess. I know it's a comedy drama, but just from what I had seen and heard, I thought it was going to be kind of a darker drama. There is a lot of... It's darker, obviously, given the theme. Uh, There's a lot of funny parts in it. Uh, Colin Farrell has a lot of really funny lines in it. Uh, John C. Riley, he provides a perfect balance. He's that perfect actor, though, for a drama comedy because he's done heavy dramas and heavy comedies. Uh, But uh, the story was i i thought super interesting it's a very original plot i guess mm-hmm. to a story uh to the point where I, I i either thought this is gonna be too weird and i'm not gonna be into it or i'm gonna fucking love it and i loved it uh and the ending which i can't give away but if you're unsure as you're going through it stick it out the fucking ending is <laughs> it, it seals the deal i thought uh yeah, overall, I thought it was just a really, really good movie. I haven't seen it in a while because I saw it probably. God, it came out. I think it came out in like October, November. Rented it around that time, but uh, yeah. Overall, I thought it was really good. I I think a lot of mine got moved around because of I kept thinking of how well written the story was, and not mm-hmm. just being original, but all the way through. Like, if it was something new, that's why I love Neon Demon so much, because of I, I thought it was a very original and well-written movie. Uh, Hell or High Water, I've already talked about, and The Lobster is the same thing. I thought it was a it was a different, it's just a very original story that mm-hmm. was portrayed excellent on screen. So Yeah, I thought he must have undersold how much you liked Neon Demon when, he, when we text each other about it. Cause you're like, or do we talk about it in person or do we text? I can't remember. Cause you're like, yeah, it was solid reffing. I was like, oh, he probably just thought it was all right. You know, pretty good. No, I, I didn't think it was going to make your list even. No, Neon Demon, I, for some of these, I because I kept moving around. And like you said, we could have made a top 25 probably instead <laughs> because we felt like we were, we were disrespecting some movies by keeping them off the list. Uh no, Neon Demon was there's certain movies that I watch once and it takes a day or two because I I will th- I'll think about them 
for a day or two and piece things together in my head mm-hmm. or really appreciate certain moonlight was the same thing i think it was probably a day or two after that i really realized how much i enjoyed it and mm-hmm. i think it's because of the fact that i'm still thinking about it several days later there's other movies there's some movies on this list that i loved a lot arrival loved arrival a lot i wasn't thinking about it probably three days later yeah neon demon i was lobster i was heller i was like and i think it's because i just was either so impressed by a certain aspect of them neon demon i love the visuals the score all of it it was just really mm-hmm. good uh yeah lobster is the same i thought it was super interesting the way they kind of created this dystopian future um yeah check out the lobster my number four fences on your list? list did not make your list no thought it would <laughs> <laughs> directed by denzel washington starring denzel washington viola davis stephen henderson uh, Giovanna depo russell hornsby and uh, mckelty williamson who you would know as bubba from forrest gump <laughs> And uh, Baby O from uh, Con Air. He's in Con Air. That's right. He is in Con Air. Yeah. I don't even like He's... Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes Con Air, but you, you, but you, but you do like Con Air. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you, Chappelle's in there. You Come like on. characters in Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> you have fun watching it, though, don't you? Put I guess. the What's bunny that song? back. What's that song in the end? Oh, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, well, we're getting off anyways, topic. Yeah, this well. episode's long enough as it is. <laughs> um, fences. Uh, Storyline. A working class African-American father tries to raise his family in the 1950s while coming to terms with the events of his life. Another heavy family drama. Yeah. Um, this was based off of a play by August Wilson, who also um, helped with the screenplay. Or he did write the screenplay. Um I think that's a big thing that people who don't nerd out on movies as much as us who just go to movies on a whim should know about this. It's based off a of play. Mm-hmm. I think no, if you knew it was based off a of play going in, you would immediately, you'd probably be less hard on the fact that it only takes place in so many settings. Yeah, Chad's but, not a fan of that. I was going to say, I guarantee <laughs> there's some people who went, fucking, they just hang out in the backyard or in the front yard or in the house. That's it mm-hmm. type thing. Like, it. it I guarantee there's a lot of people who didn't know this is based off a of play. Knowing it's based off a of play, you immediately go, this makes sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I assume not much of the dialogue or anything has changed much from the play. Yeah. Because it's not like the play or, you know, is going to be 10 hours long and they had to crunch it down into, you know, two hours and 19 minutes, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I just thought Denzel knocked it out of the park. He was fucking amazing in here. Like when I think of this performance, I think it's, I think it's like five times better than his performance in training day. I think it's yeah. way better than his performance. I like him in training day. Yep. But it's like, he won an Oscar for that. And I'm like, if he, so I'm really hoping he gets the Oscar for this. Cause he was amazing. And Viola Davis as well, which kind of pissed me off. I don't know why she's nominated for best supporting and not I, best actress it should be she that's a leading role i was gonna bitch about some of those because i think there's a there's one or two other ones that's it's a similar thing that i didn't get why they're in the category they're in 
and uh, like I said, uh, the McKelty uh, Williamson, he plays a mentally challenged brother of Denzel, and he was I thought he was amazing in there too. He, he really, really surprised good. me. Yep. I thought it would be kind of a. I mean, the character makes more of an impact than you think because he keeps on showing up again and again. He comes mm-hmm. in and out of scenes, and he really left an impact, I thought, because um, it's it's almost a little bit like Spike Lee and uh, not Spike Lee himself, but Spike Lee's film, Do the Right Thing. They had that guy who... Uh, radio? No, not Radio Raheem. Um, the guy that was mentally challenged that was selling oh, the pictures yeah, of Dr. Yeah. King and yep. Malcolm X. Yeah, that's right. Um, I thought it was maybe going to be similar to that type of character where it's just kind of kind of brought in once in a while to have a little conflict or friction or mm-hmm. just a different aspect. But I thought he held his own and it was very powerful and moving. Um, the whole movie's pretty devastating, like a lot of films on this list, a lot of films that were nominated. Um, I guess I don't want to talk about it too much because... Most of the plot is, I mean, most of what was revealed is at the end, and it's kind of has to do with the entire, like, conversations they're having throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say a few things, and I realized it'll ruin. <laughs> <laughs> but just, I mean, Chad, come on now. You got to go out and see this. I was talking, it was his birthday uh, last weekend. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to him about, you know, movies. He's like, yeah, I want to see Fences. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's. It's amazing. Uh, it's pretty much just takes place like ninety percent of it is just in their backyard, and he's like, "Oh God!" Because remember, he doesn't like Reservoir Dogs. Oh, he doesn't like he's, Reservoir he's not Dogs. Big, heavy dialogue. Well, not dialogue. He doesn't like movies that take place in one place. Oh, okay. Like a sure. confined area. Yep. So that's why he didn't like Reservoir Dogs. He's like, they're in that fucking warehouse, though. I'm like, it's only half the movie. The other half is flashbacks of other places. This movie is all there. There's one scene where Denzel goes to a bar for about two minutes. Yeah. And that's it. It's in the house, in front of the house, like once. And otherwise, it's like backyard. Yeah. There might have been a scene in and out of the church. If they went to church. or I mean, yeah. they went to church. Yeah. Well, regardless, um, performances are just unreal in here, I thought. I thought Steve Henderson, Stephen Henderson, I think is the actor's name, was did an excellent job of being the counter yeah. to Denzel. Mm-hmm. Didn't I don't think I appreciated it initially in the movie, but as it went on, it was like he did an excellent job of kind of being the opposite of him. Mm-hmm. And it plays out, I mean, at the end type thing. But, uh, yeah. No, I love Fences. I thought it was great. All right. Uh, what is your number four? Did we already go over it? Yep. Moonlight was my number four. Okay. My number three was... It's a foreign film. Ah. Only one on my list. Getting cultured. Uh, the Wailing. Korean film. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a drama fantasy horror movie. Directed by Hong Jin-na. Starring, I'm going to butcher all these names, so I'll just deal with it. <laughs> uh, Jun Kunimura, Jung Ming Wang, Du Wan Kwok, Wu Hee Chun, Huan Hee Kim, Jin Hee Ho, Su Jian Yang. Uh, Storyline 
A stranger arrives in a little village, and soon after a mysterious sickness starts spreading. A policeman is drawn into the incident and is forced to solve the mystery in order to save his daughters. It, um, I say, like these movies on my list, they have connections. Like Silence is largely about, well, not just faith, but Christianity. So is The Wailing, surprising as that might sound. You're thinking a Korean film about Christianity? Really? Mm-hmm. Well, it's I guess it's not after I looked it up, and there's a very sizable of like the religious population in South, in South Korea. I believe like a third of them are Christians. Sure. And like another, like the other major religions are like a third, another third. Like it's pretty even with the other religions. Like you have just as much chance as meeting a Christian there as you do someone with another faith. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was first uh, surprising to learn that. But the, I mean, the movie starts with a Bible scripture. The scripture from the Bible is just black screen, white print. And I'm like, why is there a Christian scripture in this? And then the whole movie has, there's a lot of Christian themes. There's a lot of symbolism, metaphors. There's a sickness that's spreading. It's kind of causing people to kind of bleed out their face, eyes, and go crazy and kill other people. So there's a definite like real horror aspect. There's, you know, there's blood and gore. Uh, the main, I guess, protagonist is the police officer who's kind of a, he's not a, he didn't finish at the top of his class. He's kind of a chunky or I guess portly, I wouldn't say dumb, but he's definitely not the brightest bulb the department has to offer. Mm-hmm. And he kind of goes through this journey of investigating all this. His daughter starts to get get the sickness and he's trying to figure out what the hell is causing all this. Um, another... It's another movie where I can't say too much without ruining a lot of it, a lot of the surprises. But uh, the imagery, the Christian imagery is fucking deep and heavy. And it is very, I don't know, I guess best way to describe it, um, <laughs> it's hard. Uh, I would say... Is there any other horror movies that it compares to compares to well, maybe not in theme but long. in style or it's something like i think like it's that. let's see here it's over two and a half hours i know that it is two hours 36 minutes so it's very epic so it's like it's actually longer than the shining okay for horror film but you know it's not just horror it's fantasy involved and drama um but you know battle between good and evil that's all at play here things like that and you'll see, like, characters from maybe the Bible or faith, what mm-hmm. have you, are in the film. You know, the, this person's a metaphor for, well, that person's, you know, uh, Jesus, or that person's the devil, or that person's, you know, I'm not to say that that's exactly it, but there's definitely things like that. Everything is, it's like the whole, the story it's telling is actually telling a whole, a whole other story. It's one of those types of movies. Okay. That's probably the best way to describe it. Because the metaphor, uh, metaphors in the imagery and all that, it's very, uh, it's one of those where uh, you want to watch it over and over and take notes and like try and figure it out. Because, I mean, it's not like at the end where you don't know what's going on and you have to figure it out. Right. It's more that, yeah, I know what just happened and what I just saw, but I'm not exactly sure why or 
what the deeper meaning is. And you can go back and be like, oh, like there's plenty of, there's a lot of analysis already online, videos people do, interpretations of it. It's kind of like when you watch Mulholland Drive. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely a lot more coherent than Mulholland Drive, but you're looking at different things and you're like, that number means something or that the way this is shot, that means something, or this character is representing this or what, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that going on here and I love it. Got good reviews. Uh, very good reviews. In fact, yeah, if you uh, are fine with subtitles, definitely go out and see this. It's pretty effing amazing. Nice. The Wailing. What's your number three? You get it? My number three. The Nice Guys. Ooh, nice. The Nice Guys evolved with me over time where I went from thinking that was really good to I fucking loved The Nice Guys. <laughs> like, I thought it was so good. Uh, the Nice Guys, directed by Shane Black, also written by Shane Black and Anthony Bagarazzi. Uh, stars Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling, Angori Rice, Matt Bomer. Um, it is in 1970s LA, a mismatched pair of private eyes investigate a missing girl and the mysterious death of a porn star. Uh, those familiar with Shane Black, this falls very much within his catalog of buddy cop movies i guess i would call i wouldn't even call it mm -hmm. buddy cop movies just kind of buddy investigation movies because kiss kiss bang bang is one of his that uh they're not both cops i think val kilmer is he a private eye i can't remember i can't remember private yeah he's a he's a is, he's a private detective yeah uh and that's opposite of robert de niro um but yeah the nice guys robert dud Junior. Down, Downey Jr. Whoops. Uh, a little different. The Nice Guys is fucking hilarious because it kind of breaks the conventions of a lot of different buddy cop movies, which I feel like he purposely put out there. Um, Ryan Gosling is awesome, like we've said before. It's the Goss. Uh -huh. <laughs> He's fucking hilarious in this movie and his interactions with people. Um, oh, your sister's such a slut. <laughs> <laughs> uh He's witty. Uh, Russell Crowe, fantastic. Uh, he put on a lot of pounds. I'm not sure if he put it on for the movie or if he's just... He's just swelling up. He's just he's, he's swelling up. He's not in his gladiator He's accumulating form. mass, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those two work very, very well together, I would say. Um, yeah, this is a movie that I loved right off the bat, but it, I've watched it several times since, and it gets funnier and funnier every time. Um, it also plays in the conventions of the 1970s stereotypes of um, kind of the porn star angle, uh, the just you know, obviously the setting and stuff like that. But it's, I don't know, I fucking love the nice guys. The more I thought about it, the more I needed it to be higher on my list because I think it's, I think it's gotten its respect and it's critically reviewed very well. Uh, I think users is. About twenty percent lower than critics for some reason. I've actually heard a handful of friends were like, "Meh, it was all right." I'm like, "Well, I don't trust your taste in movies then <laughs> anymore." Uh, but uh, I would definitely recommend the Nice Guys. As would I. Yeah, I was trying to fit it on here somewhere. 
That's the I thing. Was just I like, oh, God, I got it. It's weird to put it ahead of movies like Moonlight or mm-hmm. The Lobster because it's not like the story is incredibly original or super style. It's absolutely not. It's probably the most straightforward movie on this list uh, in a traditional sense, I guess, if you want to say that straightforward. But it's just so good. The banter between the two is so fucking excellent and the way it ends and everything it was just excellent his daughter that uh and it is pretty meta too so it's not just yeah i mean not that that's that would make it original set apart apart from other films but yeah the meta aspect definitely gives it a little more uh i guess what do you say critical weight yeah there's a lot of satire type angles that occur i feel Mm -hmm. like where i mean there's certain things where it's like it seems like a scene is about to lead into like, oh yeah, well that they're gonna go do this, and then it totally fucking drops, and they'll call it out and say like, no, you fucked up, that doesn't make any sense, and it changes like, so I feel like they do that on purpose. So it is very well written, it's smart uh, in that sense. Uh, and his daughter, Ryan Gosling's daughter, Holly March, uh, by that, Angori Rice, if I'm saying her name right, but uh, she was good too. She was pretty witty and funny uh, throughout the movie. So yeah, I would uh. I would highly recommend that. That is my three banger. My number two, Loving. Didn't make my list. Didn't not make your list. I did love Loving. Joel well, Edgerton just gets list. better and better. <laughs> uh, directed by Jeff Nichols, who's, you know, just like sleeper hit after sleeper hit. Mud, <laughs> Take Shelter, Midnight yep. Special. Yep. Um, starring Ruth Niaga. Joel Edgerton, Will Dalton, Dean Mumford, Terry Abney, and Nick Kroll. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he was solid in it. He was good for his role. He's not your traditional see, Nick I, Kroll. I didn't like him. Yeah. Oh, he didn't. <laughs> uh, the story of Richard and Mildred Loving, an interracial couple whose challenge of their anti-miscegenation arrest for their marriage in Virginia led to a legal battle that would end at the U.S. Supreme Court. So it's a this true story of, like I said, Richard and Mildred Loving, who they got married in one state over, came back into their state. Police kind of came in and knew what they were doing because it was illegal in Virginia um, to be an interracial couple married. It was more the the miscegenation. Is that how you pronounce it? The miscegenation? M-I-S-C-E-G-E-N-A-T-I-O-N? Yeah. I guess so. Anti-miscegenation because they're, I mean... But their view of it was they was illegal because they thought it you know was wrong to mix the races. Interracial children were, you know, looked down upon in the eyes of the law in Virginia at that time and much of the country. Yeah, or at least the South. Um, and so their story, you know, their case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and that's why interracial marriage is legal because of these two. Um, I guess the reason I love this movie so much is. I mean, yeah, the direction uh, Nichols is fantastic and everything I've seen him do. But uh, the performances by Joel Edgerton and Ruth Niaga were terrific. I wouldn't say that they deserve to win over Denzel and Viola. No. Um, but that doesn't take away from the film and that this film is very understated. Mm-hmm. I've even seen that other, I've seen critics use that as, 
it was a very understated film and or Joel Edgerton in a very understated performance and things like that. And it is kind of true because this is, I mean, hindsight is 2020, but you know, looking from 2017, we're like, this is simple. It's not that fucking hard to understand. If a, a man and a woman love each other, they should be able to get married if they want. Right. It's not that, I mean, obviously back then it was a little different. Um, and so I thought that, I think that's maybe what the film was really trying to show of how simple a thing this should have been back then, but it wasn't. It was obviously very hard for them. You know, they're terrorized by it and um, persecuted for it. And it's, it's so simple. I mean, it's in the, I don't like that they show it in the trailer that, you know, what do you want me to tell them? At the Supreme Court, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Tell him I love my wife." Yeah, um, I think he actually says it a little bit different in the film. I can't remember. It might be a perks of being a wildflower situation with the audio in the trailer, but I think it's I think it's built up more. The conversation leading up to it too, I think, adds mm-hmm. to it. I agree. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, it's not like you can talk about this movie without spoilers because. We all know interracial couples are allowed, so yeah. you know that they win their case, um, and that this is the story, the true story of it. Um, so yeah, I thought it was perfect to like show a not necessarily a simple story, but a story that should be seen as simple by everyone. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Those two people love each other. Give mm-hmm. them a marriage certificate. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem? Yeah. What's your problem, brah? So I thought that the whole film being understated like that kind of undersold a little bit and how like, hey, guys, this isn't that difficult to understand. Let's just move past this mm-hmm. and move on with our lives. Yeah. Give us the marriage certificate. Because <laughs> like Joel Edgerton, the whole movie plays Richard loving. He just wants to be left alone and he just wants to love his wife. He just wants to hang out at his house. Yeah. He just wants to build a house for his wife and live there. Yeah. That's all he wants to do. Well, yeah, I think they did a good job of showing and I didn't read up much on their real story, but like you said, where they're kind of like, yeah, well, I guess do what you got to do for us <laughs> to make this legal. But like, we just want to just have an average life. Like they don't get, they don't give the impression like, they're leading the charge. Exactly. And yeah. They're not doing that at all. They're just kind of like, we'll just make it happen, but we'll be at home while it happens. Like, <laughs> like, we're not going to quit. Just so you're aware. I'd say Richard more so than Mildred. Yes. Yep. Because um, Mildred's more, she was more, I wouldn't say she wasn't like a real go-getter, but she's definitely more of, wanted to be a little more active about it than richard and promote it yeah not to say that he didn't want to be active about it he was just like he didn't understand you know why they wouldn't be allowed in the first place and how stupid everything was yeah and he's just like what what do i need to go to the supreme court for to to, just tell him i love my wife i don't care yeah (laughs) it's pretty much like how it goes yeah it's like yeah it's so simple like how did how did people not fucking get it back then yeah See, so yeah, I thought the way that Jeff or Nichols, yeah, Jeff Nichols d- decided to go about telling the story is, I think, the reason why I bumped it up so high, and why I think it should maybe win Best Picture. Because my number one's Neon Demon, so I don't have any. I got nothing left. <laughs> Your number one's gone too. 
But you're number two. Yeah, number two. You're number two. What is it? Number two. The Witch. <laughs> number two. I, I tried to fit on my list, too. Um, another one I said knock off. I was trying to get that and nice guys on there, and I just, fuck. It was the last two out. Oh, and Hidden Figures. Oh, yep. Uh, so The Witch, directed by Robert Eggers, also written by Robert Eggers, stars Anna Taylor-Joy, Ralph Innocent, Kate Dickey, Harvey Scrimshaw. Kate Dickey. <laughs> um, so synopsis, a family in the 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. This made my number two because I've thought about this. I think it's because it was such an original horror movies these days, I guess I'll say. They've gotten better, I'll say, in the past couple of years with, you know, there's Green Room, The Witch. You mentioned The Wailing. Granted, that's a foreign one, so I don't even count that because mm-hmm. I'm thinking more of American-made uh, horror movies. I just think they're lacking. And I, and I might be maybe saying that premature if I were to look at all the ones made, but I feel like they're, I don't know. You get these Ouija, and I granted Ouija, I think the second one is reviewed well, but mm-hmm. I just don't think they're, at least the previews to them, they don't make them look good. Uh, the Witch, you told me about The Witch. Um, I think I'd read about it. Uh, it was fucking scary, uh, original. It's largely only a couple of actors throughout the entire movie. Um, mm-hmm. in Another very, confined space. Very confined space. It's a 1630s, so, I mean, that tells the setting alone. They're banished, essentially, this family, from a village, so they're off out living on their own. Um, it was done so well, and it's dark largely the entire movie. It's very dark scenes and stuff like that, but there are several scenes in there that you just do not see coming. Uh that I found to be excellent. They were well written. Um, even the ending, which is typically not the type of ending that I'm a big fan of, I guess, the way it was done. Uh, I don't know. I fucking love The Witch. This is another one that just left me thinking about it for mm-hmm. weeks after, where I was like, that was just such a fucking good movie. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely... I would, I would put it up there with, I mean, new horror movies that... Or one of my favorites of the past several years, I would say. The Witch is definitely in there. So that's my two-banger. Well, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's the end of our list. That's we it. We made it. Yeah. So now we're going to fucking sprint through Oscars <laughs> preview. We're not going to do much of a preview. We're just going to go over a few categories. It's all right. Animated feature. Kubo and, or nominations are Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, my life as a zucchini, the red turtle, Zootopia. Um, have you seen any of those? I've seen Zootopia. Okay. Very good. Uh, heavy adult themes, I would say, in it, without giving away too much. I don't have the IMDb set up, but no, you don't have to go through that. Just no, it's very. Uh, I would say it's heavy on like classes in society, classism. Uh, okay. And uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was very good. Yeah, what's the uh, – you want to give me the odds? We have the odds here. We're going to let you know what the odds are for some of these, who the favorite is to win. Because um, at the theater we had the Red Turtle. 
my life is a zucchini. And um, I know my, my life is a zucchini has been getting, and the red turtle both got great reviews. Um, my life is a zucchini is French. Uh, red turtles, uh, uh, I guess I'm not sure what that one is. But it wouldn't surprise me if one of those two maybe surprised people and actually got it this year over like the, you know, the prohibitive, it's usually a Pixar one or a DreamWorks or some, you know, U.S. animated film that wins best picture. Right. Um, and Moana, so, I know, is, I mean, we've heard great things about it. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen any of these. So I don't have a horse in this race. I'm but trying to find. I'm sure Moana is the... And Zootopia are the front runners, I'm sure. Or maybe Kubo and the Two Strings. That got a lot of great reviews, too. So it looks like... Trying to read this site. I'm going to have to cut this. Um. So I'll just give the leading person, how about... So the best odds... Or for Moana. Okay. I don't know how to read that. Tell me if you know how to read. It says bolded for the best odds. It says 22. Can I give it one? Oh, fuck it. No, because that's supposed to. The best, oh, best odds doesn't mean odds to win I think it's mean the best odds for like to make money oh okay because two to nine is the favorite oh does it say favorite well that's just what it is two to nine just like oh, what, what's uh, below it is Kubo and two string and what is that eleven to four eleven to four so the Zootopia 22 is two to nine yeah twenty two is twenty two to one odds gotcha for Moana for Moana is that was that for Moana? Yep. So Zootopia looks like the f- the favorite in that one from two to nine. Okay. Um. So yeah, it looks like that would be the front runner. Yep. And we'll see if that works. I might just cut off this whole animation one because we really don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one site that gave better like number odds, it didn't even list best animated for some reason. It has all the other major ones, but anyways, go ahead. Uh, we're going to jump right to the big awards. We'll do the big six, I guess. Start, start off with Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Viola Davis for Fences, Naomi Harris, Moonlight, Nicole Kimmon, Lion, Octavia Spencer, Hidden Figures, Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea. I would like to see Viola Davis win. Um, I mean, I saw, yeah, I've seen, seen all those films. And I would still prefer Viola to win. Do you know who the front runner is? Viola won like Golden Globe, and I think she won SAG. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Viola is the front runner. Okay, and I would agree with that. Out of these choices, I think Viola Davis. It's she, almost not fair because she shouldn't favorite. be in I, the category. There's sometimes there's ones that I would want to win, but there's other people who probably are more deserve. I this is she's favorite, and I I think she should win too. Out of the nominees yeah because i mean she should be in a leading role i mean compare her screen time to like michelle williams in manchester by the sea 
Michelle Williams, yeah. maybe in 10 minutes. Same with Nicole Kidman. 10, and 15 minutes. Naomi Harris. Yeah, I mean, they're not in it. For Naomi Harris is a little She's more. in there more. Nicole Kidman isn't in Lion that much. More, yes, than Michelle Williams, but I don't even know how Michelle – I'm going to be honest, I don't know how Michelle Williams got – I don't know how she gets nominated for the little bit of screen time she had. Yeah, it wasn't in there much, but also you got to remember, you didn't know you were even watching her in the first half of the movie. No. <laughs> like me, I'm like, Drew. fuck. It was like halfway through, I'm like, when the fuck is Michelle Williams going to show up? I had a couple of jokes <laughs> in my head related to her scenes, but they're spoilers, so I'll hold them. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I go Viola Davis myself as well. Actress in a leading role, Emma Stone for La La Land, Natalie Portman for Jackie, Ruth Niega, Loving, Meryl Streep, Florence Foster Jenkins, Isabel Hupert for L. Um, is the front runner Emma Stone? Emma Stone is the front runner. Uh, I would like to see. Yeah, I think I would like to see her win. I think uh, I really like Ruth Niega in Loving. Um, but you could also you could argue it like well, if it's understated movie or whatever it's like emma stone is definitely i wouldn't uh it's hard to even say because they're acting but you mm-hmm. could say she's outworking every other nominee on the list with the dancing the singing everything all, she like had all to do. around performance sure yeah uh although i will say so i have not seen l and i have not seen jackie so I'm, i can't speak to their portrayals uh or their performances meryl streep although i don't want to see her win just because she I was just nominated and went. She did a very good. We watched Florence Foster Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie's okay. Her she did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, you know, the yeah, movie's about does. a bad singer, and she sings throughout the movie, and she's terrible. But you, she, mm-hmm. I mean, it's Meryl Streep. She does a fantastic job. I don't know. I'm between Emma Stone and Ruth Niaga. I liked Ruth a lot in mm-hmm. Loving, and I think. You hit it when you said it was very... The movie as a whole is very... The topic is very understated. I think she is well... I don't know. I really liked her in that movie. Now, performance-wise... Uh, yeah, Emma Stone may be more deserving. I don't know. It's tough to say. Nellie Portman was great in Jackie, but Jackie is my biggest disappointment of the whole year. I was severely disappointed from where no, I thought it was going to be, or what I thought me. the movie was going to be. You told me win. that because I was looking forward to Jackie a lot. Uh, not to say I will watch it when it comes out, but uh, the trailer still kicks ass for that movie. Yeah. That trailer is the most exciting part of the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> they got all the exciting stuff and put it in a trailer. It's too bad. <laughs> but yeah, the movie drags and it doesn't. Did not do it for me. Portman was great, but that's about it. Uh, moving on, actor in a supporting role. So, Marshala Ali, Moonlight, Jeff Bridges, Hell or High Water, Lucas Hedges, Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel for The Lion, Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. Um, do you have the front runner? Front runner is Casey Affleck. No, or wait, oh, no, no. You said supporting actor. Oops, clicked the wrong one. I did. Mahershala Ali is the front runner. Okay. I'd be fine with that. Um, although, 
like you said, he's only in the first act. So it's kind of like mm. big fan of the actor. He does great in it. Uh, I just I don't. Yeah, I guess I. I, I would be I I wouldn't mind seeing him win. I guess I just think somebody else maybe did a better job. Um, I loved. I mean, Nocturnal Animals was I I really liked that movie as well. It didn't make my list. It was close. I was trying to maybe sneak it in up in the you know eight to ten range, but mm-hmm. didn't do it. Uh, Michael Shannon, who's have you ever seen him in anything where he's been bad? Right. <laughs> he's fucking amazing. Fucking he plays there. a kind of a crotchety Texas sheriff or like a deputy or detective, sure. what have you. Yeah. It takes place in present time. So he's a little like Jeff Bridges' character. But uh, yeah, he. <laughs> the intensity behind those eyes, he is scary as fuck whenever you see him. Even in, you know, yeah. night before, he's funny as fucking there. Yep. When he first, he's a creepy fucking dude. He's, yeah, he's got an intense look. <laughs> no matter what the situation. You do not want to meet him. Yeah, you don't want to meet most people in a dark alley, but I don't want to meet him. Well, I do want to meet him, but <laughs> I wouldn't want to see him in like a church or right. like something that's like <laughs> preconceived to be like a safe, happy place. Yeah. I don't want to see him like anywhere out in the street. He's going to scare the shit out of me. <laughs> I guess I'd like to see Michael Shannon win. Um, wouldn't bother me if Ali won or, or Bridges won. I mean, they're all great. I guess Dev Patel, it's a little weird that he's in a supporting role. Again, I, mean, I know that this the, was, I think this was the other one that I was like, he's not, I guess the, the kid, the kid is like the first 45 minutes of the movie or half hour of the movie is like the kid. But, Dev Patel. Who's on the bill? Dev, Dev Patel is kind of the headliner. Yeah. Yeah. This I think this. Is I the thought, he, I I thought he was. Of. I thought he was good, but I was like, mm, over other like Ben Foster. <laughs> right. Dev Patel, yeah. get out of there. Put Ben Foster. Exactly. In. Yep. I didn't see. So I didn't see Nocturnal Animals. So I can't speak to Michael Shan's performance. Sure, is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Ali win again. He was just such a small part of the movie. Um. Not a huge stretch for him, I guess. Out of the options, I mean, I Jeff Bridges, I feel like, has played that role before. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wouldn't give it to him. Uh, and he's one best actor. I would probably go between Lucas Hedges and Dev Patel, honestly. Oh, you, you want one of those two to win? Nah, I'd probably want Ali to win. <laughs> Probably want him to win. I just don't know if he deserves to for that performance. Yeah. Uh, I probably would say Lucas Hedges or Dev Patel deserve to win out of the options. Yeah, Hedges was definitely great. Yeah. Um, actor in a leading role. Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge. Ryan Gosling for La La Land. Viggo Mortensen, Captain Fantastic. Denzel Washington, Fences. I'm hoping Denzel wins, but out of the people on here, I wouldn't really be mad. So Casey is the lead runner on this one. Okay, he is still. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, I guess it wouldn't bother me uh, if he won. I know there's the controversy about him. We're not going to get into that right now. Um, but there's, like, Andrew Garfield 
it's very arguable that he did even better in Silence than he did in Hacksaw Ridge. So that would be my only, and you can't even really call it a gripe, mm-hmm. because he was obviously great in Hacksaw Ridge. So it's like, well, if you won, I could see that. But I don't know. Maybe he was better in Silence. I don't know. Yep. So it's kind of hard to nail that one down, I guess. And you saw Captain Fantastic. I'm sure Vigo's great. I loved Captain Fantastic. Uh, Vigo, my fan favorite, the one that I I would enjoy seeing win is Vigo Mortensen. Okay. Uh, I think Denzel probably is more deserving of it out of the options, though. Although Andrew Garfield was excellent in Hacksaw Ridge, but and Gosling is Gosling. Gosling's Gosling. It would be cool to see him win one but it's like he's still young he isn't gonna get a lot of chances right uh not that he's always nominated because he's rarely nominated but right uh i wouldn't mind seeing probably anybody on here win casey affleck although he's a lead runner he's probably my least favorite to win on here even though i did i thought he did a fantastic job but mm-hmm. i like vigo a lot because i like captain fantastic a lot but i denzel's more deserving uh directing Dennis Villeneuve, Arrival, uh, Mel Gibson, Hacksaw Ridge, Damien, what is he, what did you, Cazelle, Chaz, Chazelle, Chazelle, there we go, yeah. La La Land, Barry Jenkins, Moonlight, Kenneth Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea. Do you know what the front runner is? Best director is Damien Chazelle. La La Land. For front running. I mean, that makes sense. Um, because I know La La Land's pretty much the front runner for Best Picture. Uh, definitely wouldn't make me mad if you won. Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. Uh, yeah, I could see him winning as well. Also, wouldn't wouldn't disappoint me at all. Kenneth Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea. Um, that's another thing about directing. You seem to when you're judging directors i mean some of it is the acting that they get out of their actors the performances mm-hmm. they get out of them yep. that's part of directing and i think sometimes i will put too much emphasis on like the way a movie looks because like, yes they're controlling everything that's being shot but then it's edited but usually by somebody else mm-hmm. and there a lot of times they're not specifically working the camera operator they're they have a cinematographer it's like roger deakins you know always lights it up in every film he's on mm-hmm. and like those directors get you know great i mean obviously those directors are doing other things very well but so it's kind of like uh you're looking at a movie like moonlight he got i mean all these movies they got terrific performances out of everyone uh mel gibson hexel ridge um yeah, I know. This is a tough one to even think about which one I'd want to throw out or which one I'd want to root for. Because I guess I don't really have one of favorites in here. I mean, Dennis Villeneuve's it's pretty revolutionary on its own, mm-hmm. um, on its own merits. I mean, Kenneth Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea. Maybe one person could say like, "Well, he's just filming a you know a family drama. You know, he just." Just sitting there filming it. It's like, well, he did also get those performances out of those actors, and he like, told it in a in a in a specific way that he wanted to tell it. Uh, he also wrote it too. Okay. So sometimes that weighs a little bit into mind because then 
you have a you, I guess you have a little more yeah, control I always... over how that movie went than somebody who didn't write it and just directed it. Because I, I did enjoy the flashbacks in Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. I thought they did it. it. They were placed perfectly. They weren't stereotypical, I guess, in a sense. There mm-hmm. were short ones that popped yeah. in and out that I thought were done great. Uh, I would boot just for the sake of trying to narrow it down. But like you said, you can mark an argument for any of them. I would boot Arrival, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, I feel like directors who direct really good war scenes in movies, uh, that I feel like that's got to be a lot of work. I mean, that the, mm-hmm. to be able to put it together very well with so many people and stuff, I feel like that that says something. So I like Hacksaw Ridge for that. And, and the La La Land aspect with putting... Yeah. I know he didn't choreograph everything, but he still had to, you know, put those people in place. Or even this, um, even the scene where it turns into more of a visual, you know, where I think she's floating away in the air yep. and stuff. So it goes away from your traditional just uh, live action, you know, play to or mm-hmm. live action movie type thing into something else like the transition. Walk uh, among the stars. <laughs> <laughs> or Moonlight. Uh, they, I mean, you have kids, you have unproven actors, I would say, in all three versions of Little. Uh, the young kid, the teenage kid, and the old, none of those guys are proven actors, mm-hmm. and you're able to get that. Yeah, I guess I would like to see uh, Mel Gibson redeem himself. I don't know. No, I, I guess uh, <laughs> I would like to. I, I'd like to see Moonlight. I like to see Barry Jenkins win. Yeah, I think. But you can make case for almost anybody. I would say. Yeah, I mean. On Damien. one hand, I would like seeing Mel Gibson up there and like people like more or less kind of forgiven him or at least like moving past all that shit. I would like to just to accept him after like so many other celebrities of well not so many, but other <laughs> celebrities have come out and be like, Can we just get past this? It's like you let everyone else in, but you won't let Mel back in, that type right. of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean any of them. I I guess I don't really have a horse in this in this race, no, dude. It's a tough one. Um, let's move on to picture. I take it La La Land is the favorite. Mm-hmm. So we have Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight. La La Land is the favorite. Um, uh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't anger me that it would win. The only thing that would you know, make me a little irritated is because of there's been so many of these Hollywood centric movies winning over the past handful of years, mm-hmm. but you also can't hold that against La La Land. Like you can't make this movie because they've been doing a lot of these earlier before right. you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, well, no, you can't just base what you're going to make off of what's based or what's made, you know, the couple of years prior to you. Yeah. Especially since a lot of these films get into motion, like, Years before they ever come to screen. Right. Some of these movies, it takes years and years before they're ever on screen. Silence, which isn't nominated for picture, but, you know, it was like a 25-year passion project for Scorsese. Yeah. So they could have been, you know, La La Land, the concept could have been introduced six years ago. We mm-hmm. don't know. Other movies, you know, could have been before that, or maybe it was after that. Who, who fucking knows? But I try not to hold those types of... I guess stereotypes or of the 
winning best picture winner yep. against it. Yep. But I guess yeah, I'd like to see Loving win. Uh, but I know it's it's not because it's not nominated. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I guess out of the nominations, Hell or High Water, I would, I think I would like to see. Um, I have Manchester by the Sea ranked higher on my list. Yep. But it was kind of like like last year. I would have loved to have Mad Max win. Right. This just that you know that might open up doors for other people making similar movies like sure. that. Yep. Uh, same. I'd like to see Hell or High Water win. Um, I feel like Moonlight. I feel like Moonlight will win. Uh, that would, I, I also I, I like, think that, that that might upset La La Land. I think, I think so would. too. Uh, I also wouldn't. I I would like. I do, it won't win. I would like to see Hidden Figures win. In all honesty, I th- I think it's it's different. Where I don't know if it was put in there for other reasons. Obviously, because like you said, there's certain where it just doesn't flow with some of the other ones. Neither does Hell or High Water, though. I would say with the other seven Hacksaw Ridge Fences Arrival La La Land I mean I'd even like to see Arrival win I'd like to see non-traditional movies win Best Picture yep because so many people who aren't film nerds like you and I always bitch about well the Oscars I haven't seen half the movies mm-hmm. what the fuck is that movie I don't even know what that movie is where would I see that especially the area we grow up in some of these probably wouldn't even be in theaters around there there's some of them who might not be. Now, they might be because of once they're nominated for Best Picture, but there's a lot of people who I still talk to who like movies who they wished they saw more mainstream movies that are critically reviewed well. Mm-hmm. I mean, on both sides, users or whatever, audiences and critics, that don't get in here. But we've talked about before how, you know, you campaign for the Oscars and all that type of stuff, but... um. Yeah, I, I'd like to see, like, Hell or High Water, Arrival, or Hidden Figures win. I think Moonlight will win. Moonlight or La La Land will win. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's been a long time. Yeah. We tried to rush through this, but there's a lot to talk about, I guess. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here. This might have been... Nah, it's not two hours or anything. Well, fuck, it might be over two hours. It's close. It's not... But, uh, yes, another thing i like to point out is I'm not going to be able to edit much of this. I'm going to have to release it pretty much as is almost because I need to get out tonight. I work tomorrow night at the theater. So, folks at home, if there's a couple different, you know, we're not, we're not going to be as clean as we usually are. Clean no. cut. There isn't going to be as much editing together. I mean, I, I try to move the top ten list as fast as I could. Like, keep it together without pauses. Mm-hmm. But uh, there might be a little hiss or a little bump or something like that here and there that I might miss because I'll scan through it quick. But So apologies for that. I might even brush up the episode and repost it again next week. But I wanted to get this out before the Oscars yep. came out. And I think I'm going to be tweeting a little bit during the Oscars. You want to do some tweeting? Live tweeting? A little live tweeting the Oscars? What <laughs> <laughs> if we can both... Log into the count at the same time on our phones. And uh, then do it. Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. 
I guess you from your place, my me from my place. Can try. Well, I guess we'll figure that out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll I will at least be tweeting some during the Oscars. So yeah. watch the Oscars. Follow along with us. Um, reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at watchthismovie@yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie. Hope you're not writing or typing underscore. <laughs> uh, check out our website, wtmwatchthismovie.com. Please rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher or anything. Comment. Do something. Do something with your lives. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're rambling for two hours, and you're listening to that. So is that how you picture your life going? <laughs> Just kidding. We thank you for listening to our sometimes moronic ramblings. Other than that, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case.